Good evening, lovely people. It is Sunday, December 11th. The Lopes followed up their undefeated week with a winless week and have left many of us on a spectrum between scratching our heads and completely heartbroken. However, they have a chance to right the ship on Saturday against the waves from Pepperdine and send us to the final game of the non-conference slate with sunshine and daisies. We have a lot to talk about today, and we're looking forward to it, as we hope you are too. And with that, a new episode of the Win the Whack 2.0 starts now. Joining me, as always, is a man who was voted Phoenix Christians most likely to become a billionaire in 2016. A man who spends more time streaming basketball on ESPN Plus than he does grading tests and quizzes. That's Zach Cecil. How are you, Zach? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. How many? How big is your stack of of tests and quizzes and papers that you have to grade? Um, it's it's pretty big. Um, partially because I I was not at I was not at work on Thursday or Friday. Uh, I was out sick, and um, I did have four um tests, four classes of tests. So I have uh about 150 tests in my book bag right now, and then another hundred to get when I get back to campus tomorrow. Um. And it's finals week this week, so I will be having another hundred at the end of the week. Yeah. And you're not so going to slow. Lot. You're not going to slow down when it comes to ESPN Plus streaming, is it? Are no, I, I'm probably, I'm probably not. I'm actually watching a game right now. I'm watching the <laughs> Texas game that I didn't get to watch yesterday. Gotcha, but, gotcha. Um, but yeah. Well, Zach, I don't know if you saw the news. I'm sure you did, but um, we are now available on Apple Podcasts. I did see that. I'm, we, I'm very, yeah, very, we, very excited to hear that. Yeah, we're excited because we get to, you know, grow our 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 listeners. We get to grow our following and our fan base, which is awesome. It's not very big. It probably never will be, but we're really excited. So now we are available on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. So that's just really exciting. exciting. Um, I wanted I wanted to open up today with um, the same thing we opened up last week with. It's uh, my new favorite segment: questionable scenarios with Connor. Okay. You ready for this? Absolutely. You're going to you're going to start to see a trend, Zach, I promise. Okay. <clears throat> Here we go. The Lopes win the next 5 conference championships and go undefeated in uh, sorry, at home in that stretch. The yeah. Lopes are guaranteed at least one eight, uh elite 8 appearance and <laughs> three sweet 16s in that same stretch. But you have to wear 4-inch hot pink stiletto heels to work every day for the rest of the school year. When someone asks you what you're wearing, every time you must respond with, what can I say? The ladies love them. Or the Lopes lose out of the WAC tournament in the first round every year for the next five years and lose every game they play against Cal Baptist. What are you going to go with? So my options are have the Lopes be really good for five years or keep my job. Is what, is what you're saying like those are my options essentially let's just let's just pretend that that man you know a great heart school would be okay with a man wearing four inch pink stilettos it's not the great heart school i'm i'm concerned with connor here's the deal i i teach eighth graders okay <laughs> and and here's the thing about eighth graders if you if you're one of my eighth graders hey hey listen audience you and me right here real quick if you're an eighth grader if you're one of my eighth graders and you're listening to this, turn it off. Turn it off right now. <laughs> turn it off right now. So the thing about teaching eighth graders is they're the worst, Connor. And they're just <laughs> so mean. 
And so, like, the last thing I want to do is give them just one more thing in the world to, like, be mean about. With that being said, an Elite Eight run. He's actually considering it, guys. Here's, hey, can I actually tell you, here's, like, kind of what does it for me is I don't think the Man, this is the most lame thing I'm ever. This is like New Mexico State fans are going to roast me for this. I don't know that it'll be as sweet knowing that we won't be beating New Mexico State. Hey, we still got a year of this. Does it start now? Yeah, it starts this year. Oh, man. Man, I don't know. I mean, I guess I guess we are out of the running for this year because we did lose a home game. We haven't played a conference so, game yet, but yeah. Yeah, we haven't we haven't played a conference game. Here's the thing. Okay. I get I get the idea that, you know, eighth graders are mean, but what if I made this this part of it, okay? People are allowed to know that you're doing this for a good cause. <laughs> but but you still have to say, what can I say? The ladies love them. That 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 would get me fired. <laughs> I just, I don't know. Um, so what is it, man? You got to pick. No, I, I can't. I can't look. I, and then this is like com- coming from the guy who like, I'm pretty sure last, like one week ago today said that I would be a Somali pirate for like, for like kind of like less than this. I, I don't think I could do it, man. I mean, I could be a pirate. I don't think I could. I don't think I could do this one. I just That's, can't it, do it. It's a, it's a funny line that we've drawn, you know, pirate pirating. Okay. Not it's a problem. Okay. Yep. yep. But when it comes to the pink stilettos, that's that's what gets me. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, we know we know Zach's dedication to the lopes isn't isn't it, anything more than skin deep. So yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Is it, would the answer be different if we had won both games this week? I <laughs> I am so glad you just asked that. Probably. No, uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um okay. but I was just thinking that same thing is like Last week we were coming off the win against Wyoming and I was probably ready to like give my soul for that to keep going. And now off of two excruciating losses, uh, you just all I know wear is pink pain. stilettos. So. Yeah. When it, when it comes to the spectrum that I mentioned earlier between scratching your head and being completely heartbroken, where do you fall there? I don't know. Um, like, it's it's you know like losing two games in a row against comparable opponents by a possession each is is really painful i think that like i don't know that i'm scratching my head really at all is is the thing so part of it is like i i mean like and this is like i don't know i didn't i didn't really see anything that i thought like what is this what what right? I nothing I saw particularly surprised me. I saw like the Lopes play pretty good defense. I saw the Lopes go on some runs, and I saw the Lopes have an absolutely atrocious offensive set. Um, and the um, one of the things we talked about very early on in the season is like, man, it seems like the Lopes shooting percentages are kind of low, and we had kind of just resigned that to like, yeah, maybe we just don't have great shooters. And as I watch more and more GCU basketball, I'm inclined to think that our offense sucks. And I don't mean like our skill or ability. I mean, like our plays, our sets, they're bad. 
and they're predictable and the other team knows what we're going to do and we just don't get open shots. It, it feels like we're slow. It feels like we're really predictable. And then it feels like we get frustrated with that and we force bad shots. And I think that's why our shooting percentages are low. And that's why when we play a non-division one team who doesn't have division one defense, we can just get away with, with forcing nonsense. And then we shoot 50% and it's a miracle. Sure. See, here's here's where I might have a little bit of a disagreement with you, but when it comes down to it, you're you're not wrong. I think where the Lopes are offensively is we have decent shooters. We have guys that can score. I don't think that our offense sucks, but like you said, it is predictable. Um, the, the, the Lopes tend to run a spread ball screen, which is the way of the world right now. And when it comes down to it, I don't think that we are big enough to be really successful on a pick and roll. And I don't think uh, YO is that great. <laughs> he He's our option as a big. And when you look at this season and previous seasons for the Lopes, we've made the tournament one time, right? Mm-hmm. What was the difference when it came to that tournament team? New Mexico State wasn't a team. Fair, fair. <laughs> we didn't have to play New Mexico State. <laughs> the, the other contributing like real factor. The other contributing factor. I don't know. Do we have a real big man? I have no idea. Asbjorn Metgard. Oh. The Wichita State yeah, transfer that awesome. had 0% body fat and was massive and he was so cut. Good. He was a really but... solid big man. And I think we've had better not had that. I think we've had better. This just like, I feel like I would even take Alessandro, you know? I, I guess you have an argument there, but I wouldn't say that Alessandro was a dominant big. And, and, and the reason for that is because what made Alessandro great was that he had shooting capability as well. He can stretch the floor. He, he really could stretch the floor and that we'll talk about that in a little bit when it comes to these, these last two games in particular. Yeah. But I think really the big, the big difference that we struggle with when it comes to other teams that run a spread pick and roll or a, a spread ball screen kind of situation is we just do not have bigs that we can rely on when it comes to getting the ball down low or posting up. Yeah. And I, and I hate to really dig on, on Odriogo, but I really was not impressed with him last year. And, and this year I'm, I'm still, I'm still kind of in the same boat as I was last year with him. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's get into the games I though. I agree. Because um, I could get off on a real mean tangent here. So that's okay. Let's, let's look at Loyola Marymount. Yeah, it's so, funny. I'm actually I'm on the Ken Palm uh, stat sheet for this game, mm-hmm. and it has it listed in quarters for the box score, which is hilarious to me. It's not halves. Does it actually break it up by like ten minute segments? It just says Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4, and then total. It doesn't. I mean, it doesn't specify the ten minutes, but obviously that's what it's going to come out to. Um, what are your thoughts on on the LMU game? Um, uh, we came out 
and we ran a bunch of bad sets and we i want to say what were we behind a lot of we were, we were behind for most of the first half right it, it was a pretty close game regardless i don't recall if we were trailing a bunch or if we were ahead at all but it, it was still a very close game the whole way through yeah it just it felt like one of those games where um yeah for the first half it was pretty close by the end of the first half they pushed it out to like they're up by eight at the half yeah. um and it felt like it felt like one of those games where we were i was just watching it waiting for the run and i thought like gcu's hanging in right there they they score they, they cut it to six uh they, they get a steal, they get a layup, they cut it to four, and I'm like, oh, this is the run, right? Then LMU goes down and hits the three, and it's back to seven. It's like, oh, okay. And I felt like that just happened a bunch. Um, we finally got our run towards the end of the game um, and then weren't able to close it out. And I just, I don't know, like, I think when we play, the problem is our, our offense, our offensive, like the way that our offense works, I think is not actually good enough to sustain this strategy of we're just going to coast for most of the game and we'll have a couple of different segments where we go on massive runs and put the game away. Because realistically, I think it's really hard to get those runs if if your offensive, if your half court sets are not good. Because par part of what makes those runs like, great is like obviously you have momentum and the other team is frustrated and what that leads to usually is open shots what i'm seeing is even in our runs it's not really leading to open shots it's leading to it's leading to open shots in transition right our runs come from like turnovers and like long rebounds that we outlet and like pushing pace and and transition but it, I, i'm even in our runs i'm not seeing success in the half court and that is concerning to me i've been pretty impressed with our, our our defense. I've been pretty impressed with our overall level of intensity. I think the GCU, when I watch them play, it looks like they want it really badly. It looks like they want to win more than more than any other We've team seen in the past. I, yeah. I, yeah. But, and that's, I, I think I tweeted something like that after the, the LMU game, which is like GCU can't just will themselves to win every game. Sometimes they'll actually have to like be good. Um, and not, that's not to say that GCU is not good, but I think that what we've done is like in, in some games against lesser opponents, right? Like the Alcorn game, we've been able to just will our way to win when we weren't playing very well. And I think what we saw in these two games is we won it really badly. And the way in which we play basketball is not good enough to just will our way to victory. Yeah. I think when it came down to it, the key thing, and this is kind of going to take us back to the discussion about Laver and um, Metgard, was I said the difference with that team was we had a guy that could stretch the floor like Alessandro, but even more so for me was Metgard, who was a really like obviously he was a tall dude, but he was also big and really dominant in the paint and was kind of a a threat when it came to the pick and roll game. What I noticed against Loyola Marymount was I'm trying to think of the guy's name. He had the crazy hair <laughs> um, and he was a stud for them. I'm trying to look at their, their roster. Camp Shelton. 
I'm uh, I'm not sure. He was the one that had like the mullet kind of thing going on and and the mustache. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh yeah, it was their big man, right? <laughs> yeah, he he Number 34. I mean, yeah. Uh Kelly. Yeah. Wow. This uh, that's yep. quite the last name. Lo Pepe. Yeah. Lo Pepe. Sure. We'll just call him Kelly. <laughs> yeah, that guy was awesome. Okay, he so was Kelly Kelly was was a stud. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm not even going to make that comparison actually, but here's the thing. He could shoot and he was dominant in the paint. He could drive too. And for the most part, we had YO guarding him and that is a disaster. It was. Yeah. Cause I, I, there I were a few possessions out, late right? that I was like, I was really keying in on, on that matchup. And we literally had YO out on the perimeter guarding this guy. And at that moment, I was just like, we, we can't sustain this. This is not going to work for us. And I was like, we're, we're going to lose the game. No, it actually got closer than I expected it would. But Kelly just. Yeah, part of that too is, and, and I, th- I think you're right, but I, I want to make sure we're clear on this. When we say he dominated YO, I think that like leads to some understanding that like, oh, he just bullied him. He didn't. It. The you're idea right, is, right. I don't think what what happened is it. I don't think he beat Yo by any sort of level of physicality. He just was like more skilled and quick. Yes, absolutely. And That's exactly what I the mean. Floor. And so whenever whenever he would like be at the perimeter and he would force Yo out, he would drive, uh, or he'd get the ball inside and he would like euro step, just euro step past him and make a reverse layup. I saw him do that like once towards the end of the game, which was kind of the dagger of just like. We have to, like, we just, like, we started a little run. We got to get a stop here. And then he's posting up, and I'm like, this is great because, like, I, this is the situation where I actually trust YO is, like, defending a post up rather than being on the yes, paint. Yes. And he just Euro steps to the opposite side, makes a reverse layup. And, and like, it's just, man, like, he's, he's really skilled. And I thought that, like, yeah, I thought that he was just, just better. No, um, you're, you're totally right. He wasn't bullying him physically. I think yeah. that's one of the things that, that YO really demonstrates well um, in, in our lineup is, is that yeah, physicality. physicality. Yep. Here's the thing though. This is going to be a problem for the Lopes moving forward. If we, if we have to face a big who can shoot, who can drive and who is really skilled at the rim, we're going to be in trouble because YO can't match that offensively. And mm-hmm his physicality is not going to do him much good outside of the paint basically. Um, and, and, and you got to think of it this way when you got a guy like Kelly who can shoot from 24 feet out and our counter to that is YO who only has the green light within five feet of the rim. (laughs) That's, that's disaster written all over it. Now that's not to say that Kelly literally put the team in his backpack and carried them to victory. Um, you had mentioned during game day while the game was going on that, you know, um, LMU was driving to the basket with intent and it wasn't just intent to score off those drives. It was really to get um, GCU out of position and attack long closeouts. And I think that is one of the things that GCU struggles with defensively and, this is probably aside from the the Nevada game, the first time that we've really had teams focus on attacking the the long closeout with so much intensity. And that was another point in the game where I, I when I noticed this, I was like, okay, we're we're in trouble. 
because yes, we're a great defensive team. We do a great job of, of denying passes. We do a great job of um, defending the rim in the paint. Thank you. YO shouts to that man. Yeah. Um, but when you got a, when, when you got guys beating you on the closeout, that really opens the game up regardless of who you're playing against. Yeah. It just, it just feels like it just feels hard. It's hard. I think like as a fan, my, my mindset, when I watch GCU, I feel much more frustrated with this team than watching previous GCU teams. And then like with other teams, I always felt like, like, man, if we really need to score here, we can do it. And I don't feel like that with this team. I I don't ever think like, gosh, we just really need a basket this possession. We're not we're not gonna get it. Like we're not gonna get it. I kind um, of disagree with you. The the place where I do agree with you is when it comes to <laughs> down the stretch in the final two minutes of the game. Oh, that's where yeah. I have absolutely no confidence in us scoring. And we'll we'll get to that later because I have a lot but, of opinions. But that's but yes. that's when it matters because what happens is late in a game like that, <clears throat> the pace slows down, right? Uh two two minutes, and this is why I, hey, I actually think. I actually think tight losses are going to be a trend for us this year because uh, our ability to run and push pace and get in transition is not going to exist in the last two minutes of a game because it's going to be like possession timeout, possession timeout, possession foul, right? So there's not going to be opportunities very much for that, which means it's going to just be like, okay, we scored. Um, Now we're back on D. Like, okay, we get a stop. Um oh, there's a timeout or there's like reviewing something, right? And so what that means is like, we actually have to be able to score in the half court. Like in a, in a tie game with two minutes left, it's going to come down to like, uh, no, I, I mean, the serious, like imagine every game in which we're tied with two minutes left, it's going to come down to like, basically both teams are going to have three possessions in the half court to score. And I don't know that I like the Lopes chances against very many other teams in that situation. I think like in a regular game where it's like, well, yeah, but we can just get a steal and then like run out and transition and, and then like score and then like full pick up full court and then like bug them. Right. And then get a, get a long rebound and then like kick it out and two for one, get an and one. And then like, boom, like there's seven points in like 40 seconds, but like, that's not going to happen. Um, and I just, I've just like, yeah, I, I just really, I really don't, I don't know what the issue is because I, I, what I'm not suggesting is I'm not suggesting our players aren't talented. I think we have players who are capable of scoring in, in mass. And I think there have been sparks that we've seen that. So I, I don't know if this is like, and, and maybe, you know, maybe this is one of those things that comes with time. I don't know if it's like, uh, this is the Bryce Drew system and the players are having a hard time adapting to it. I don't know if that's the case and maybe, maybe it is because we we're have... in year three, we're in year three of Bryce Drew and it, there's, I, I, I can't make that argument. Yeah. Cause it, it was, it was not like this the last couple of years mm-hmm. and a lot of our main guys have, have been here, right? Like yeah. uh, Blackshear, McLaughlin chance, like those guys have been, been here. They've been through that system. Yeah. Um, here, here's the thing, Zach, here's, here's why the Loyola Marymount loss hurts is because that's a team that I think we all, I guess, could agree that we, we probably should have won that game. Why? That was, what do you mean? I, I just think that's a that's a that's a game that we 
we can win and at home we probably should win. Now, yeah. now this begs the question. I'll actually get into that a little bit more as to why I think that's a game we should win and we that that loss hurts more at least to me than the North Texas one does. Um but I would also like to ask the question, how much do you think not having Blackshire in the lineup affects that 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 result? A lot. You think so? Like an, an yeah. I do because, and for as much as I've, for as much as I've just like whined and complained about like our offensive sets, I, I think they're a lot better when Blackshear's there because I, I think that Blackshear brings a level of calmness to the offense. That's really good. And yeah. that even though our offensive like, uh, it still doesn't look great. I, it doesn't feel less rushed. If, like when he's there, sorry, it, it does feel less rushed when he's in there. I feel like uh, I'm more confident that we're not going to, turn it over or take a bad shot. Um, now, we still might not get a good shot, but I'm more confident in that with, with Blackshear there. Um, so yeah, I think I think it matters a lot. I think what it comes down to is, I think, and this is not to knock on Josh Baker or Chance McMillan, because I think they're both doing a really great job. Yeah, I think with, with Blackshear, what we can rely on is, him getting the defense out of position because he's that electric and that explosive. I guess when it comes down to it, Zach, I don't want to be the guy who says, you know, if Blackshear's in that game, the outcome is different. I'm not going to be that guy who says that. But what I am going to say is, I think the game looks a little bit different if if he's in there. I'm not saying the outcome changes. We could still lose if, if Blackshear's in the game, but I yeah. do think the game is going to look a little bit different with him in it. Whether that's better or worse, who can say, but my leaning, I'm leaning towards better probably. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I but, think that's right. Uh, I guess when, when it comes down to it, I, I do want to hit a little bit more on why I think this game hurts more than the North, the North Texas loss and why I think this is a game that we certainly could have and probably should have won with it being especially a home game. I want to bring to your attention the defensive efficiency of our of the teams we have lost to. Okay? When it comes to adjusted defensive efficiency, Nevada is 83rd in the country. Pretty decent. Wichita State 47th in the country. Okay. North Texas, 55th in the country. Yeah. Loyola Marymount, 148th. So we can talk all about how the Lopes struggle offensively. And I'm not trying to discount that. What I am trying to say is we have lost to really solid defensive teams. And Loyola Marymount LMU is not particularly excelling defensively. Mm. So that's why it frustrates yeah. me. Um, we also did give up 69 points against them. No, that's not like a cardinal sin, but I mean, I think we need to be doing better defensively because um, we, we are a top 100 team when it comes to adjusted defense. And Loyola yeah. Marymount is, is not incredible in offensive efficiency they're 110th in the nation so zach when it comes down to it that's particularly why 
I think mm. this LMU game hurts more than the North Texas loss. That is a great point. Yeah. Great point. <clears throat> yeah. And it, it is hard to say, like, uh, we, you know, obviously we've just spent a pretty significant amount of time criticizing GCU's offense. Uh, it is worth noting that we are three losses, excluding this LMU game, are against like three of the better defenses in the country. Um, it's it's very possible that when we start to get into conference play and see defenses that are not as tough, how many top 50 defenses are in the WAC? Zero <laughs> top 50 defenses. How many top 100? Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. One top 50 yeah. defense. I, uh, I thought Sam Houston was just outside 50. They're actually 39th, which is, wow, really good. Um, but there is nobody else in the top 100, I think, defensively for the WAC. I'm seeing Cal Baptist is at 116, which is pretty decent. But you got teams yeah. like, you know, UT Arlington, 177, you know, uh, Utah Tech, 256. Is it even, adjusted even, efficiency? Is that what you're looking at? Yeah, adjusted yeah. defensive efficiency. Yeah. Um, even Seattle, 145. I think the next highest is going to be New Mexico State at 110. Yeah. So, yeah, I, so, so other than Sam Houston, there's not a single top 100. I mean, Sam Houston's the only top, and we've already addressed, right? Like, I think Sam Houston will give us a hard time for all the times we mentioned last week or two weeks ago when we talked about Sam Houston. Um, outside of that, there's not another top 100 defense out there. And, aside from and GCU. So, yes, yeah, so, well, obviously, right, we're not playing ourselves. Um, well, yeah, but, no. <laughs> but yeah. But when it comes um, to the whack, GCU right, right. and, and, and Sam Houston State are the only two teams in the top 100 in in defensive efficiency. Yeah, so that's that that is a, that is something worth noting. Um, we're gonna we're gonna play defenses that are not as strong in conference play, and is that gonna make a difference? I I let's, would I'm gonna be excited to find out. Well, yeah, let's pray and hope. <laughs> yeah. North Texas, are you still watching that game? I am. I actually just saw. Uh, uh, so I actually just got to halftime. And like, man, that run at the end of the half, the last, the last offensive possession we had in that game was actually crazy. Yeah. In in the Wyo, game or in the half? In the first half. Okay. Y.O. offensive rebound, kicks it out for three, miss. Another offensive rebound by Y.O. Kicks it out, miss. Another offensive rebound by Y.O. Kicks out, three, bang. Yes. And then, yes, like, you're right. I do recall. And it was just like, oh my gosh. Like, just in what he's like in there with three North Texas players. And North Texas, like... Are we ready to get into the North Texas game? Yes, I would love to. North um, Texas is a good team. Like they're a North good Texas is very team. solid. Here's the thing: is they're like we said, really good defensively. Their offensive efficiency is also really solid. They are top 100 offensively as well in adjusted efficiency. They're 90th. Um, their effective field goal percentage is really, really bad. So when it comes down to Field goals that they should be making, they are not making them. They're hmm. going at a 46% on effective field goals. That, that that comes out to 304th in the nation. Do you know who this makes me think of? Who? Just take a guess. Really good defensive team. A team that scores even though they don't make shots that they should make. I'll give you a hint. They just lost this weekend for the first time. Houston? Houston. No yeah, yeah, it's Houston. It's Houston. Houston's that kind of team who's really scrappy defensively, does a great job in, in defensive efficiency. Their offense, especially when it comes to effective field goals, they are not great. 
But what they do is they're scrappy enough to get those offensive boards and, and get putbacks and stuff. And that's what makes them so good. Um, but North Texas, like you said, really, really quality opponent. And I think we played yeah. a solid game against them. Here's yeah. the thing, though. It was kind of a trend in this game. GCU starts a little bit slow, right? And then they get the thing close by by the end of the half. Now, in the second half, you know... Actually took the lead. Yeah, no, the second half, it wasn't as slow of a start, but they did give up a a brief run at the beginning of the second half. And then they actually were in a position where they made a lead and were unable to keep it and eventually, you know, lost by two in the end. I do want to hit on on something that was was a... I'm going to use the word issue, even though it sounds critical. Um, but more so just something that occurred between both the LMU game and the, and the North Texas game. Okay. We were out of timeouts when it mattered. We were out of timeouts when it mattered. Okay. Now the North Texas game, like I said, we played a really, a really solid game against a team that is rightfully, in the top 100, um, I could see them being really good in Conference USA, possibly even winning it. Great conference, by the way. A really solid conference, yes. Um, yeah. That's that's New Mexico State's future home. <clears throat> Dude, that conference is crazy. It, it's really good, and and nobody's expecting. You know, you see North Texas on the schedule. Nobody outside of the people who are really huge basketball nuts are going to be like, "Oh, that's going to be a good game," right? Nobody sees North Texas and is like, "Yeah." This is, they see the Wichita States teams like, um, who else have we played so far? The Wichita States, the um, Northern Iowa's, the, even a Montana State or a Nevada that have been in the tournament recently. And, you know, I wouldn't say Montana State had a good showing, which brings a lot of joy to my heart. (laughs) But, you know, those teams that are kind of household names when it comes to basketball, Nevada and Wichita State in particular, nobody's like, yeah, North Texas. That's a one. That's one that I'm super excited for. But then yeah. you start to see how good they are, and how they do it, and uh, even a two point loss becomes okay. It's not, I, I don't like the idea of moral victories, but you can't argue that we didn't play a solid game against a solid yeah. team. I was just going to say that uh, I think North Texas is the best team we're going to play all season, uh, barring like if we make the tournament, obviously, and we have to play a two seed, like whatever. Um, they're the best team we're going to play all season. Um, so. Uh, Losing by losing to them by two. I mean, obviously, like you said, I just if you listen to the if any of you are still here who listened to the podcast years ago, uh, you know how how much we by the end had sworn off the idea of like a moral victory, which which I think is something we say a lot because we we've kind of jokingly had said it in the past in the early days of GCU becoming division one. There was this idea that you'd have moral victories, right? This new scrappy division one team that's like not tournament eligible yet. And then they would like, they go and play Louisville and, uh, oh, who is the guy who scored a million? Russell. 40? Yeah. Dwayne, Dwayne Russell. Russell would score like 42 and you'd have Rick Pitino being like, yeah, that guy's a pretty good player. And That's like, the moral victory. Moral that victory. is a moral victory. Yep. But then like, but then what happens is like, it just keeps, right. Uh, you just keep having moral victories. But the thing about moral victories is like, you don't, you have to win eventually. And so that was the thing is we, for, for a long time in the early days of the program, we would have these moral victories. And with the idea that 
these moral victories are going to we're going to build upon them and eventually we'll actually win real victories yes yeah and so it was a lot of close losses in big games that led to like oh like new mexico states like the team to beat in the whack and we like we only lost by like five like this is we're we're doing we're gonna we're gonna get them right next year's our year right and and then what happens is like we just keep losing new mexico state by single digits and it's like hey we gotta like wait this is time to win and so gcu having made the tournament now they're they've been around long enough the days of moral victories are gone whereas like only losing by two to north Texas, uh it's we need to win games um yeah but northwest north northwest north texas is awesome they're i think they're the best team on our schedule uh the conference usa is crazy this year you know they have two top 50 teams in the conference usa yeah yeah then the texas north texas is third in the conference at 68 and what i will say is if you look at our ken palm rankings gcu was ranked 113th coming into the week and they are now ranked 106th so they've gone 0 and 2 and moved up seven spots and that that's a testament to like the quality of teams they play right so yeah. even ken palm ken palm has moved them up on the virtue of moral victory right they've said you only lost by two to hey, a team hey, like hey. when you say moral victory i need you to say it with sarcasm and and you know air quotes around it moral victories <laughs> <laughs> um moral i do I, I kind of i kind of strayed away from what i was saying earlier when it came to the um not having timeouts in critical yeah times okay um i'm not gonna go back and look through the play-by-play and see where we took our final timeout what i do know is that when it came down to the north texas game we get a rebound with 12 seconds left and we don't have a timeout and what then we see happens and zach i hate to spoil it for you because you you haven't seen it yet but we have we have Blackshire dribbling down, right? And he just has the ball for a solid 10 seconds. He's trying to find a lane, trying to get the defense off, off uh, out of position. And then eventually it goes to, was I think it was either Josh Baker or Chance McMillan. I believe it was Josh Baker. And he like is literally past the ball with maybe two or one seconds left remaining on the game clock. And he has to huck up, huck up a prayer. Um, it wasn't the same situation in the LMU game because we were two possessions down for the final stretch of the game, but we just, we didn't have any timeouts. Mm-hmm. I, I, I recall we took a three with somewhere around 30 seconds to go in the LMU game. And I was just thinking, why are we taking a three? We need points. We just need points. Yeah. And I think it was, uh, I think it was Gabe McLaughlin who missed the three. And I was just like, we, we could have gotten to the rack. We could have gotten to the rack and we could have at least gotten fouled and, and been at the stripe, but we ended up taking a three and then LMU gets the ball. And then we foul them again and, and send them back to the line. I think if you get it an easy two, if you have timeouts, you get an easy two, you call a timeout then you have an opportunity to set yourself up in a full court pressure and try and get the ball back without fouling. But we didn't have any timeouts. Yeah. Now, a lot of this comes down to, um, as we've talked about in other episodes is the runs of the game, right? Yeah. If I'm a, yeah, if I'm a coach and a team goes on an eight Oh run on me, I'm probably going to call a timeout. Right. Yeah. So Monty Williams, right. Yeah, and so so when it comes down to it, I think to keep timeouts. You gotta you gotta eliminate those runs or at least kind of stymie them, rather than having to call a timeout to stop a run. Yeah, 
But um, another thing that I have or a gripe that I have with the North Texas thing, and yes, we didn't have a timeout to, you know, call and then draw something up with 12, se- 12 seconds left. But I've been, I've been part of four high school programs, including the one that I played, like played in. Hmm. And I cannot say that ever in, in one of those programs, we had like a fixed idea or, or everybody knew what we were supposed to do if we didn't have any timeouts and, and, you know, the clock was running down in a, in a close game situation. Mm-hmm. And I feel like as a college program, obviously I, I don't know. I, I don't have firsthand experience. I've never been part of a college program. I didn't play college basketball, but I feel like, especially at a D one level, you gotta have at least something to fall back on. Even if it's just a common set or a common rotation or just a common principle thing where, you know, clock's running down, you get one possession. We got to, we got to do something instead of what we got, which was our point guard dribble in the ball for a little bit, trying to find a, you know, find a lane and then having to kick it out like literally behind him and throw up a prayer. Yeah. Because do, do, if it, sorry, go ahead. Do you think it's the case that we are still experimenting with that? And that like, I, I think you're right. And that like, for example, uh, you're in that situation. You don't have a timeout. You got to just do what you're comfortable with, right? What works? You got to do what works. And I think what, what we've seen is, I don't know that I can point to an overwhelming like play or set that we say like, oh yeah, this works, right? Like when I, I'm trying to think other teams I watch a lot. Like when I watch the Suns and when the Suns are in that situation, I know exactly what they're going to do, right? What There's gonna, one What play, are they going to do? And it's Chris Paul is going to take it down. And Chris Paul is going to get a screen set by Aiden. And he's going to go around to the right side to the elbow. And then he has three options. He's going to shoot a 15-footer to win the game. He's going to throw an alley-oop to Aiden, who is now diving. Or he's going to get double-teamed and then kick it to the corner to Bridges or Booker. It's exactly... And it works every time, right? And And what he's most inclined to do is take that 15-footer because he always gets around the screen in time. But like... They do it every time and it works every time. It happened to, in fact, it worked today against the Pelicans to send the game to overtime. Did they end up losing that game? They did four in a row. They didn't have Booker. Let, let's talk about that later. I, I want to talk about that. Oh my gosh. We'll talk about it later. Okay. Hey, but Zach, you, you know, that's just what you just described for the Suns. That's just spread ball screen, buddy. And that's yeah. what the Lopes yeah. keep trying to do. But yeah. I didn't see, I'll have to watch it again. I watched the game. The first, when it was live, I was on a bus ride home from a basketball trip. So I was, it was spotty coverage. Welcome to Montana folks. Um, but I did rewatch it last night. I'm trying to remember if there was a ball screen on that final, on that final 12 seconds in crunch time. I don't recall. I don't think so. Um, here's the thing. GCU runs spread ball screen frequently. Like that is, that is the main system that we run. Okay. Why is it that when we are down two points with 12 seconds left in front of all of our students at the footprint center in a game where you're playing against a top 100 Ken Palm opponent, that would be really, really nice for your resume, especially when seeding in the whack is now for some reason, based on some magical net rankings that the whack has apparently put together themselves. Why is it that we are literally just looking at each other like, huh, what? Do I need to wait? What? Oh, I guess I got to throw up a bad three. All right. Go to the spread yeah. ball screen. Go to All the right. spread ball screen. I agree. 
You want to know what happens in that final play? Yes, please. Exactly what happens. North Texas goes down, missile layup. He got fouled really egregiously, by the way. If this is not 17 seconds left, that's that's two free throws. He got mauled. Misses the layup. Wyo gets the rebound. 16 seconds on the clock. No timeouts. Oh, so we had 16. That's plenty 16. of time to set something 16. up. You can run a rotation 16. through two times. Outlets it to Blackshear. All right, Blackshear's crossing half court. There's exactly 11 seconds on the clock. No problem. You got 11 no seconds on the clock. All right, here we go. He's dribbling at the top of the key. All right, immediately. Yep. So here's here's what they did. That I I'm just I'm I'm pausing and I'm like I wish I wish this was like video and you could see. Um, here's what they do. A lot of times, what happens? Okay. Uh, you have the last possession. You know you're gonna run that spread ball screen. The Suns do it all the time. The Lobes do it too. When when do you go? When do you want the big man setting the pick? When is go? Well, Zach, here's the thing. When you are down two points and and the clock's at 11, the chances of the other team getting into a, into a position with that much time left where they can score, you they know, get an effective field goal, they do have a timeout. They do have a timeout. Even so, Zach, even so. Typically, so are you saying you're right away? See, no, if you're wanting the last shot, you're going to go seven or six seconds. Okay. Right? But even even... Even if you're not looking for the last shot, which I don't think you need necessarily, uh, when you're down two, I'd say actually yes, you do want the last shot. Okay. Okay. Um, but it. also at the same time, it's seven or six seconds, right? Yeah. I, I'm thinking. So, here's what I'm thinking, Zach. Okay. This is this is a little abstract, so I need this you to is so bad. Okay. I'm sorry. I just no, watched it. No, it's okay. It's okay. I Holy need you to smokes. fall. I need you to. I need you to stay with me for a second okay. because all right, all right, all right, okay. this is a little abstract. Okay. I was watching one of the football games today. I want to say it was the um the the Carolina versus Seattle game, okay? And there was a point, it was very early in the game. I think it was probably the first possession and the Carolina Panthers got two false starts in a row, right? I this could be a totally different game. I don't even recall. Whatever it was, the team had two false starts in a row, right? And the second one the play clock was expiring. It was literally at zero and the false start happened because the uh, left tackle on the offensive line left his spot and backed up like he was going into pass coverage. Right. And the reason he did that is because, you know, it's literally the beginning of the game. You're not going to call a timeout necessarily for, for a delay of game. He sees the clock going down and he assumes that ball is going to get snapped. Right. Yeah. So he's ready to go. So what I'm saying is is trying to compare these two situations. If you're going to hold the ball and try and get the last shot, the defense knows it's either six or seven seconds, right? Mm-hmm. You're just going to dribble it out and wait for that clock to get down to six or seven seconds. It is what it is. Why not hit him in the mouth early? Regardless, what happens? Can You, you said you just watched it. What you happens just- is, Connor, <laughs> I, this is funny. I, I, I want to, I almost like, Hey, here's what I think I'm going to do after this podcast listeners. I'm actually probably going to record a video of with the, am I going to get like copyright striked? If I like show the gameplay, Zach, if you don't, if you don't monetize it, then you can do whatever you want. Okay. I'm going to probably actually just post a breakdown of the last 15 seconds of this game on Twitter, showing you exactly what I'm talking about. Because what's funny, Connor is they did exactly what you said, which is they didn't get set. And it was a disaster. Yeah, it was a disaster class. Here's so here's what happens. All right. 
Now, keep in mind, like, Wyo gets the rebound under the hoop. He gives it to Blackshear. You have 11 seconds. But, but here's the problem. You have nine players on this half of the court. So you have Wyo standing at the, like, at the logo, right? Like, sure. Like, 40 feet from the basket. Wyo is, like, coming, like, up the court, right? He's way, he's in the, he's in the backcourt, right? He still has gotten the rebound. So he's not even, like, so it's not like we're waiting for him to come set the pick. He's not in the play yet. Okay, so here's what happens. 11 seconds, Y.O. immediately from coming down just runs straight to Blackshear's guy. So he, so he doesn't so like, even set like a back screen. He doesn't set, set a, yeah. No, no, no. He like walks. So like Blackshear is holding the ball. The defender is facing him. And the defender while facing him is watching Y.O. come up from behind Blackshear, or behind Blackshear and just set a screen right on his left hip. Blackshear, what he does, he goes left around the screen and doesn't do anything. He, he takes two dribbles to the right, to the top of the key, and then one dribble back. And now you just have, now you have 7.3, YO's going to the block, and Blackshear's just still in this ISO at the top of the key. So was there any off-ball movement aside no. from the, the pick and No, roll? you have Bauman in the corner with a guy in help at the block. You have, um, you have two guys standing next to each other on the other side. Oh, are you serious? Oh yeah. So you got you got Baker and you got um, Harrison like four which, feet from each other. So it's like so you have like imagine like which which side like, of the court? Okay, on the right side of the court you have okay. Baker, but he's not in the corner. He's at like you know, is he at you know line extended? Yeah, like just yeah, just underneath free throw line extended. Okay. okay. Then Harrison is at like where the second rack would be on a three-point contest. Okay. Okay. Now what so those guys are like four, like four, five, six feet from each other, right? Now you also have Blackshear who's actually dribbling off the screen towards them. But he's not going down, like he's not going in, right? He's not like driving. Spacing, spacing is really bad then. He's just going to the right. So you got three guys clogged up. You got Wyo going to the basket. But here's the thing. You know where Wyo's defender is this where? whole time? He, he's sagging. He's sagging Standing at the... Standing yeah. on the free throw line. You know why? Wyo hasn't even gone down there. This guy's not following Wyo up. He's not hedging the screen. Everyone, yeah. all nine players on the court just watched Wyo walk down and set this screen, right? And his defender hasn't come up to pick him up. So Wyo's just walking into his guy who's waiting for him in the key. Bauman's like... In the corner, like he's probably the only one spaced correctly. He's in the corner. His guy is in help side, which is correct because if if Blackshear would have actually driven like he was supposed to, what happens is Bauman's guy has to pick him up and then he kicks for a wide, a wide open three, right? If Blackshear drove there and got past everyone and Bauman's guy was the last guy, it's a wide open three. So he's spaced fine. Everyone else is not spaced very well. 7.3, dribble, 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 dribble. All right, five seconds. Wyo is now on the block. Everyone is just spaced. So you have bomb in the corner, Wyo at the block. Then you have like corner. Is Wyo's um, guys sealed? No, he's standing in the middle of the paint. <laughs> Wyo is standing in the short corner and his guys just camping in the middle of the paint. This is a, oh, this, this, they missed a five second violation here, by the way, which like doesn't matter, right? I mean, like he's from seven seconds left till the end of the game. He's standing, you know, the like half circle under the basket. He's standing at the top of that circle for seven seconds. Are you referring to the defender? Yeah. Is there such thing as that in, in college basketball? Defensive three seconds? Is there? I don't think there is. What? 
that's no, an NBA there's, there's, thing. There's got to be. You can't just sit in the key all game. Zach, have you ever have you ever heard of a zone defense? Oh my gosh, what a world! All right, <laughs> so I could be super wrong. I didn't think I'm, defensive. I'm having a stroke right now watching this game. All right, five. So he's. So I guess what I'm saying is they set the screen early. They they set it at eight point eight. He doesn't take the screen and he just dribbles around. All right, he dribbles around. I got to go back one second because this is the, the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. Okay. He just dribbles around and at four seconds, he's decided, I'm going to give Harrison this ball. I mean, he's going to get the ball. So what happens is this. Harrison takes two steps back, which so he's now six feet off the three-point line to get the space to get the ball. And at so the same time, it's 28 from the basket. Yep. And at the same time, um, Blackshear decides to like kind of drive. So he does like he drives and then immediately steps back and picks up his dribble. He he did the like he faked like he was gonna like fake step back and shoot. Okay. Except he didn't shoot. So now he's at the top of the key with his guy right on him and no dribble and 3.2. Thankfully, Harrison is now 40 feet from the basket. And so he's able to pitch it backwards to Harrison. But what you now have is 2.6. But here's the problem. Harrison's man, like a good little defender, is actually denying that pass. Yeah. So Harrison doesn't get the ball. Harrison cuts to the rim. But Harrison, there's two guys between Blackshear and Harrison. So we can't get him the ball. As he's going, Baker's guy goes on to Harrison to make sure that there's now three guys on him. So this cut is never going to happen. At no point does he swing this way and kick it to Bauman, who's still just like super open on the other side, right? That's never the option. Baker then comes up. Gets the ball. He has the ball like this, like he's a running back with <laughs> his guy on him, Blackshear's guy on him. His back is to the basket. He's five feet beyond the three-point line, and there's 1.1 on the clock. That's the situation we're in here. He's got 1.1 double-teamed in clutching the ball with his back to the basket, and the fact that he actually got a shot off at all is a miracle. He took one. Wait, so it was Harrison. It was Harrison that took the shot. It was Baker that. It took was the Baker. Shot. Harrison okay. drove and got triple team. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. And then Baker came up from short, from like free throw line extended. Yeah. And like honestly, like Baker couldn't have like he was just like that was cursed from the second he got the ball. Like with he got the ball with one point one and a double team thirty feet from the basket. Like that's my breakdown of the final play. I'll. I'll I'll like get the video and post it so you guys can see what I'm talking about. Man, that was a nightmare. That was a really bad possession. That's what I'm saying, Zach. I, I, uh, I, I guess I can't, I can't speak from experience what it's like to to be in a program that has an idea of what they're supposed to do when there is no timeouts left and you're in crunch time and need a bucket, right? But I feel like at this level of basketball, in college basketball. You have to have something better than that. And, you know and that honestly, like, you can't you can't change the fact that YO got the rebound. Okay. You nope. can't change the fact that YO is one of the slower guys on the team, right? It's fine. Okay. Yeah. But you can also say, okay, um, we have 12 seconds. We you said the rebound was at what 16 seconds? 16. 
Okay, so he had time we, to go down give, to the block. Can't we give the up. guy a, an opportunity to get down to the block? You don't even have to run spread ball screen. You can time. you can run a staggered off ball screen. You could shoot, run a flex cut. That is archaic to run a flex cut off of a flex screen, but it's better than what we just had to hey, witness. Here's here's what I'll say, and I actually I know I've kind of just like the way I broke that down puts a lot of criticism on on a lot of guys. Yeah, I think that what happened there is Blackshear didn't ever make a decision until until he gave someone else the ball at a double team at one point one, which is like the worst yeah. decision imaginable. Yeah. He got the screen, even though we can say like it wasn't a very good screen because it was coming from high and there was too much time left yeah. and guys are in position. He got that screen and chose not to go, so he took yeah. one dribble. He, he he got the screen and stayed at the top of the key, which put that to rest. Yeah, and then when he got that cut by Harrison, he didn't do anything with that, and he didn't give Harrison the ball back, right? Yeah. So he he two I guess like first it seems like first option was to take the screen, and then you have the the triple option of you drive shoot or shoot the mid range, or you kick to the center, or you kick it out for three if you get double team, right? Those are your options. Yeah, he didn't do that, and then he didn't take the second option pass, which was Harrison. So Harrison had to cut. He couldn't find the cutter because he's triple teamed. So then he and he and uh, when he went around originally, when Harrison stepped back, right, he stepped back to shoot the three, picked up his dribble, but then didn't shoot the three. So he lost his dribble. He didn't initially drive. And his only option was to just get rid of the ball so he didn't turn it over. And then Baker had the ball in a double team with 1.1 and is back to the basket five feet beyond the three-point line. Yeah. So it was really it, bad. It's a and, tough one. And it's, it, it looked like it looked like they didn't know what to do. It's a bummer. It really is. And I, even after all that, uh, we still played really well and we had an opportunity to win the game. Um, but when it comes down to it, you know, we didn't win the game. We didn't. It's 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 simple as that. And I think there's a lot of things that, you know, the team is going to build off of this because if they didn't already have an idea of what they're supposed to do in crunch time when you don't have a timeout, um, I sure as heck hope they will by Monday. Because yeah, that I I hate to be mean, I hate to be disparaging our guys, but that was egregious. It was a tough, it was a tough possession. <clears throat> um, so let's uh let's do our our hearts some good and move on from from the disaster that was this week in Lopes basketball. Sure, I want to look ahead just very briefly to Pepperdine. Yeah. Um. So I was actually able to watch the Pepperdine versus Nevada game um, on demand. Didn't watch it live. Not that dedicated, but um, it was in um, it was in Pepperdine, and that was on Tuesday, December sixth. Pepperdine lost that game to Nevada by eight. However, it was a close game. Um, it wasn't a situation where you know. Pepperdine had the lead the whole game. And then with 10 minutes to go, Nevada went on a crazy run and just kind of took the driver's seat. Um, that's kind of what Nevada did against us. That's what Nevada did against Sam Houston state, but against Pepperdine, Pepperdine was actually leading most of the game. And then when at about the eight minute mark, Nevada took the lead, it was kind of a back and forth affair and Pepperdine was down by two possessions in the last 30 seconds ended up being an eight point loss for them. Um, what I'm seeing from Pepperdine. Okay. Um, 
stat wise, they are 146th in adjusted offensive efficiency in Ken Palm and 174 in adjusted defensive efficiency in Ken Palm. Um, so that kind of bodes well for the Lopes if we're going to follow that train of, okay, the teams we've lost to, except for, I guess, LMU, have been really solid defensive teams. <clears throat> what I noticed from Pepperdine in watching the game is they do really well in transition, both offensively and and for the most part defensively. I think something that I saw defensively in transition was they were really good at keeping their hands up and preventing um, passes from getting down to the block or at the rim. They did a good job of deflecting passes in, in transition. Offensively, they did a good job of you know getting a a quick drive to the basket. They did a good job of hitting open jumpers in transition. But when it came to half court setting, especially after made baskets and inbounds, I I don't know how it was not very many possessions where they scored. Um, I don't have a percentage in front of me, but they did not look all that great offensively when it was not a transition situation. Um, defensively, I think that it was kind of the same story when they got into a half court defensive situation. I felt like Nevada was better in the half court offensively against Pepperdine than they were in, in transition. And so here's what I have to say about this regarding the <clears throat> Lopes. Okay. I think that this bodes a little bit towards the negative for Grand Canyon because really? yes, I do. And, and and here's the reason is we already know our situation offensively. We're not great, but we've been pretty decent in transition. Do you agree? Yeah. So if we're going to be facing a team that's really decent defensively in transition, I don't know that that bodes well for us. Um, but if we're able to score in a half court situation where they're not great half court defensively. Maybe that does bode well for us. However, when it comes to our defense and their offense, um, I think the only times that we've been good is in the half court and we've been kind of poor in transition. Yeah. Here's what I will say. I think that this is going to be a game that I trust GCU's style of play in. Pepperdine is 33rd in the country in tempo, which is uh, the metric is possessions um, possessions per 40 minutes. They average 72.5. They're 33rd in the country in most possessions per 40. By the way, number one in the country is UTRGV. Um, in tempo? Their average, oh yeah. Their average offensive possession length is 12 seconds, which is the 12th fastest in the country. They play a really fast paced game of basketball. And I think that is awesome for GCU. I think that's exactly what we want. And, and it's, I, so I guess the thing is we might say is like, well, GCU shouldn't want to play Pepperdine's game. GCU should want to control the tempo, but the problem has always been, it always just seems like GCU wants to get out and run and gun and other teams want to slow it down. Pepperdine's not going to want to slow it down. So it's going to come down to like, is who's actually just better at this game of, shooting shots quickly into the, into the shot clock and, and getting out and running and gunning They're They're adjusted to efficiency on defense is 172. So they're not particularly stout defensively. 
Um, and they, they play really fast. So I think that we're not going to have as hard of a time in the half court sets when we get them. And there's going to be a lot of opportunity to take advantage of transition. And I really like that for us. I think this is going to be a good game for us. You think so? Well, offensively, we, we are bottom of the barrel when it comes to tempo. Did you know this? Yeah, I do. I do notice. You know why? Why? Because we can't get good shots. Why do you it's think that what, is, Zach? What what's what's the situation? Our set is our. I've I've, I've said it a hundred and fifty times screens, on this podcast. Spread ball yeah, screen. I don't want to hear. Trust I don't want to say it again. I just don't want to trust Y O. This is the. I hate you know the argument. <laughs> you know the argument of the um, unstoppable force meets the immovable object. The, That's yeah. It's this, and here's why. Okay. Pepperdine is 12th in the country in average possession length on offense, 15.3 seconds. They want to take shots very quickly into their, their sets, right? Yeah, now, into GCU, the shot clock, yeah. into the shot clock. GCU, average possession length on defense is 363rd in the country. We want teams take the long, like almost the longest in the whole country it takes teams to shoot the ball against us. Zach, we are literally the longest in the country. Yep. The yeah. last, like it takes last teams play, the longest, longer than anybody yeah. else to get shots up against anybody. And so what that means is this Pepperdine is either going to have to slow down, which I don't think they're going to want to do or Pepperdine's going to take a lot of bad shots. And that's what I think is going to happen. I think they're going to say it's been 12 seconds and no one's gotten open. I'm shooting this ball. And then that's going to just happen a bunch. And they're going to have a really bad shooting percentage. And then everyone's like, why do they shoot so poorly against GCU? And I'm going to point back to this. That's my prediction for this game. They're going to shoot a, they're going to shoot a bunch of Cameron Payne shots. That's what it's going to be. Bunch of campaign shots. I love your Cameron Payne shots. Like it's such a bozo. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're the mean one. I'm the one that doesn't want to be mean, no. but ends up being mean anyways. That's okay. So, so here, here's what it's going to come down to. Is GCU going to expose Pepperdine or is Pepperdine going to expose GCU? You're saying that GCU is going to expose Pepperdine. Yeah. And, and I think I would lean towards that, but I don't think it, I think this could be a meet in the middle situation where, you know, this could be a very close game. I think I think we're going to see probably a three point game here. Whoa. I would love I would love for it to not be, but Zach, I just I don't trust this Lopes team yet. Hey, I'm going to make a prediction here. Okay, go for it. I think if it's a I think if it's a three point game, we're not going to win. I think I think you know that the, so, that would make a lot of sense considering the the last two games we've had that were really close and everything we've just said about the way we deal with the basketball in slow situations. Can I change um, my prediction? It's going to be sure. a five point game. Okay. So we're seven point favorites. Okay. And here's what I will say. For those of you out there that are betters, this is my official gambling advice. Just Don't kidding. hammer on the lopes. That's this my not, advice. This is not official gambling advice. Here's my advice. Please do not take Pepperdine plus seven. Here's what you can take. You can take GCU minus seven to win by more than seven. I think that's pretty likely. You can also take Pepperdine Moneyline and just take the odds because this game is not going to be GCU winning by seven or less. 
You don't think so, huh? No, I think we're going to cover. And I think if we don't and it's close, we're not going to win. Okay. I, uh, I think it's going to be close and that we're going to win, but you, you have a, you have a strong argument. I don't, there's just something about this Lopes team that I just can't yeah. trust them yeah. to, ma- to like do- dominate the way we should expect them to in this, in this game. Sure. Cause you know, everything on paper that we're looking at the Lopes should win this game by probably 15 points. Sure. But I just don't trust them. I don't trust them. And I'm sorry, boys. I'm sorry. I hate to be that guy. Not that my opinion matters. You guys should just go and, and, and play basketball like, like you're getting scholarships to. And don't worry about what some idiot who only gets 20 views per per, per podcast says. They're not listening, Connor. They're not listening. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly my point. Yeah. I, I just don't trust them. So yeah. this prediction- might be a this might be a win the whack first. I, it's very, I feel like generally speaking regarding the Lopes, I'm a little more pessimistic. 100%. And so I think it's, it's, it's kind of like odd for it to be like, you're like, yeah, I don't know if they can do it. And I'm like, nah, they're covering. This is a double, this is a stomp. We're this stomping is the, We're this running is the first time for you where you're just yeah. like, yeah, GC's yeah, he's got this one. It's weird um, that I feel more confident than you about, about a game, but I, I do. I feel pretty confident in this one. Yeah, no, I, I still think we're going to win. I I think it's going to be close and it shouldn't be close. And that's why I'm a little concerned about it. Mm. Thankfully, after that, we have Idaho state. We'll kind of hit on them next week. Um, yeah. They're terrible. So yep. we're not going to worry about that. Right oh, this now. game is not until Saturday. We have a long time. Yeah, no. And that's probably is a the good long thing rest going to do us any good. Uh, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. I, I don't, I don't think it's going to mess with them when it comes to their um, routine or anything like that. Mm. Um, as long as you have a game per week, I think they're in good shape. Um, yeah. And I think, or I hope I should say is that that will give them plenty of preparation for Pepperdine. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about playing a Wednesday game and then a Saturday game or a Thursday game. And then a Saturday game, you just have a Saturday game and you have one opponent on the schedule that you need to worry about. Yeah. And that is Pepperdine, the team that throws the ball up early in the shot. Yeah. Clock. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Okay. So you got hey, them winning by a lot. I have them winning by a little. I have us covering seven. I think I think more than seven is, is cool. a good bet. Um, what time are we at? <laughs> I feel like this is really long for just the lopes. We're usually way on by now. Hey, it is what it is, man. Well, if we get a three-hour podcast here, I think we should celebrate. We're not going to, but I are still we at, need are to we get... at two hours? No way. Not a chance. We're at about okay. an hour and a half right now. Oh my gosh. Okay. <clears throat> Normally I, I feel like we yet. spend yeah, we had I yeah we got pizza and we watched the we watched we were watching a little bit of the 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 Sunday night football game. Oh, nice. Yeah, no, I I still need to eat. So, oh, um, that's Wait, I'm not it? gonna I'm not gonna rush us through this just zone? so I can. Yeah, we are right now. Well, we're not in the same time zone, but I mean, but like, time. well, Arizona doesn't believe in time zones, but which is probably okay. a good thing. Yeah. All right. Um, well, I, I I miss the days of being in Arizona, especially during um. You know when when football games would start at nine or nine a.m. on Saturdays for for college football, yeah. and then NFL games would start at ten a.m. and I'd yeah. have to wait till eleven a.m. Which it's eleven stinks. now. Yeah, exactly. So <clears throat> yeah, um, let's uh let's hit on listener questions. Okay. Do you want to pull them up? Sure. Um, I actually do. We have more than one. I only saw the one. Well, I mean, multiple questions, but from from our boy Matthew. Shout out Matthew. Thanks, Matt. Hope so. Appreciate you engaging. Um. So, 
the question that I think is really interesting, given that we actually just spent a lot of time breaking down an end of the game play. Um, the, the first question is what's the best lineup for the Lopes late game. So, so imagine the, all the time we just spent talking about that final play against North Texas who, and obviously right. Part of it too, is we didn't have a timeout. So it didn't really like the hypothetical doesn't matter. Cause even if we wanted to change, we couldn't, we didn't have timeouts. Who do you want on the court? Who are the five guys you want on the court in that situation? You're down two to North Texas. You got to figure it out. Who do we want on the court? Here, here's the thing, Zach. I don't, it, for me, it's not so much of a, who do you want on the court? It's more so a question of what are you doing with who you have? Mm. Um, I just, I think, Yo is not very fast. He's an incredible defender when it comes to defending in the paint. And I think he really served us well for that role against North Texas. I don't want the recency bias of a loss where I'm like, okay, we were setting a high screen without the guy coming up from the block to really bog me down. But it's like almost like, uh, do you want to get I don't know that I even put that on him, you know? Yeah, no. Do you want to give Igehan the the opportunity at the end of the game? But he's really our only other big who's seen a lot of minutes. Yeah. Aside from that, you you have to have Gabe McLaughlin in. You have to. Um, He has an outside presence where he can shoot the three really well. And he also has really decent footwork in the paint and can finish at the rim. So I think he's, he's a must have. And then we get into the guard situation. Uh, sorry, let's let's talk Harrison first. He's an absolute you need him. Yeah, he he's a scorer. He's been one of our most reliable scorers recently. So I think you have to have Harrison in. Aside from him, you're basically we're basically choosing between Chance McMillan, Josh Baker, and um, Bauman. Yes, uh, Bauman, but also. Um, we're forgetting about you're not going to tell me you're not going to take Blackshear. Blackshear, Yeah. Dude. So No, no. But what I'm saying is you got to choose between those four guys. You got to choose which two you want because we already got Ray Harrison. We got Wyo and we got McLaughlin. in. So you got to choose between those, those four guys. Now with, um, with uh, Blackshear, you have your most steady ball handler your most experienced guy on the court. So I think you almost have to, like, he's almost a, you need him as well. Um, So now you got to choose between Josh Baker, <clears throat> Chance McMillan and Noah Bauman. And that's tough. The thing you get with Bauman is essentially he's supposed to be the shooter on the team. He hasn't put up the numbers that he has in his past four years yet. But if you take him out, you and you want to replace him with somebody who can shoot really well, it has to be McMillan. Or if you want another guard, you have to choose between McMillan or Baker. And I know how much you love Baker's. He, he He's pretty wet with the mid range. Jay. Um, yes. Yeah. I don't know. Who would you pick in that situation between those here's, three players? Yeah. So here's what I would say. I think that just given the nature of like our big men, I don't think there's a lot of options as far as I think you've got to take Wyo and McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as like the four and five, um, I think that I have to have, and I'm going to say this actually, 
not only do I want Blackshear in there, I think I want him with the ball. Sure. I think I like him bringing the ball up. Zach, if he's in the game, he has to bring the ball up. Yeah. He's, I think he's bringing the ball up. I want Harrison on the court. Uh, and then I want McLaughlin and YO. And that, that brings the question exactly like you said. I was thinking the same thing is my options are Baker Bauman, uh Baker Bauman and McMillan. Who do I want? Um I think I know who I want. I know who I want too. You go first. I in that situation, so Man, I just, it just depends on if we're an offense or defense. You said you want you, you said you knew who you wanted. It depends on if we're an offense or defense as far as why. But here's here's what I want. I want the players that I know that I can trust. And those usually are my most experienced guy. Uh and so I think I want Noah Bauman out there. You want you want him out there? Yeah. Also, just because if it's if it's a final play of the game, we're likely looking at our only offensive set, which is um, Blackshear's probably going to get a screen from YO and drive. And if so, in other words, like our three, like the person who is our three, what are they actually doing on that final play? Like, what is our three going to do? They're going to be in the corner for a kick out three, I think. And if I have to basically like, basically if I'm saying like Blackshear's going to drive and if he gets double teamed and has to kick, who do I want taking that shot? I want the fifth-year senior who played in the SEC last year. <laughs> like, and, no, and, I, in the, I, and in the yeah. Pac-12. Yeah, that's who I want. And I, I, I know, and I know he hasn't been playing up to form this year. I know averaging eight in the SEC last year, eight a game. We thought, like, man, this guy's gonna be awesome. He hasn't lived up to what we saw him do at Georgia last year. He's coming off the bench, but that's the guy I want in that corner. If that's the situation we're in. I think we also need to clarify for this question. Are we saying who do we want on the last possession offense and defensively, or are we asking who do we need in crunch time? Like the last two minutes of the game. He, he's, I think he's asking crunch time. Okay. So crunch who do you time. want in last? So minutes? for yeah. me, for me, when it comes down to that last spot, you got to pick who is going to be most likely to make their free throws. Yeah. Oh, and, um, yeah. Bauman has been spotty over the years. He's had years where he was like 88% from, from the line. He's had years where he's 50% up from the line. Um, right now, the guy who I'm trusting most to be able to drive to the hoop if needed, to make a three if needed, or to make some free throws if needed is Chance McMillan. And out of the three guys left, Josh Baker, Chance McMillan, and Noah Bauman, Chance McMillan's the only guy that's been here for more than a year. Yeah. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not. Who cares? That's my choice. Um, I like it. I, I think he's. I think he's pretty electric, and I. I tend to cheer for him a lot. So he's awesome. I just love that guy. Yeah, he's. Hey, I, I actually sat next to. Um, I met his girlfriend at a game last year. She was sitting next to me in my in my season ticket seat. And I was, and, and she was like talking about him and I was like, do you know him? He's like, she's like, yeah, that's my boyfriend. I was like, oh, nice. Cool. Kind of funny, but yeah. Um, Chance McMillan's the guy. At least hey, that I'm going with. Of the three, do you know who has the best free throw percentage this year? Um, It's currently it's, it's, it's McMillan. Where are you looking? ESPN. Okay. What's it saying? Uh, Bauman shooting 83% from the line. This season, yeah. According to ESPN, is Ken Palm saying something different? 
Oh, no, you're right. I, I was looking at something wrong then. He is shooting 83% from the line, but he's also only taken six free throws, yeah. dude. <laughs> That's five or six. Yeah. yeah. All right. But I mean, fair. he was he was 33 for 40 last year. Um, but again, it, when he was at USC, he was 45%. But that's yeah. only on 11 but on, Yeah, on like not very many. And then his first year at San Jose State, he was 50%. On so, not very many free throws. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. I still like the Chance McMillan idea because I do, yeah. like I said, he can shoot the three ball well. He can drive to the basket well. And I think he's pretty reliable from the line. Yeah. Yes, you are right. Noah Bauman is shooting 83 from the line. He's the guy I would take, but I, I don't know. I just I think just like the the white dude shooting corner threes, I think is just like I, I'm inclined to pick that because that was me. Um <laughs> who who was in the game last night on that the end? possession? Yeah, you you mentioned YO, you mentioned uh Josh Baker, you mentioned we had Bauman, you funny, mentioned Ray yeah. Harrison. McLaughlin wasn't in, was he? No, Bauman was in for so it's our starters minus McLaughlin and Bauman's in Bauman. Yeah. So it's Blackshear, Harrison, Baker, uh, Bauman and Wyo. Okay. It was the five yet, but keep in mind that's off a defensive. Re- that was a defensive possession. Sure. That we got a rebound with no timeouts. Couldn't sub. So I don't know if that was for specifically for a last second defensive set. Sure. That we just didn't get to shift because there wasn't a timeout. Um, but that's who we had out there. Well, do, we, do we not trust defense. do we not trust Gabe McLaughlin on a defensive possession no I think we do I think we, I mean like I don't think there's any reason not to I that I think is surprising to me and I again like I said I kind of skipped to that last play because I wanted to watch it uh as we yeah. talked about it but yeah uh, I so I don't know exactly what the circumstances in as far as why he wasn't playing he only had one foul so it definitely wasn't foul trouble I don't I don't know yeah yeah but yeah that that is a a curious one and Bauman had no points so yep um hey uh do you want to talk about the other the other question that he had programs oh yeah let's talk about that when Um, will we see javon blackshire jr live up to the preseason player of the year expectations gosh well that's such a doesn't help that he was injured for a few games but that's such a loaded question here's the thing i don't believe in the whole player a preseason player of the year thing because a lot of the times especially in the whack it hasn't i shouldn't say it's a the Especially when it's a GCU guy in the whack, it never pans out. Um, I, I'm pretty sure Alessandro Laver was preseason player of the yep. year one year, yep. and that did not pan out so well. Um, I think the intangible that we have in Blackshire is is experience and control. Um, and he's also a really solid defensive player. And I think this whole preseason player of the year situation is just it's silly to me and I, and I hate it. I don't think he is going to win whack player of the year. And that is not in any way an indictment of the way he's playing. I I don't think his style. So I guess to answer your question, Matthew, I don't think we're going to see from him what we would think of as like, this is a player of the year, because I don't think that's the kind of game he's trying to play. If you look at this team compared to last year's, he's actually averaging less. Uh, he's averaging less points than last year. Um, he's, he's shooting at a slightly lower clip. Um, he's taking, I, I believe less shots. Um, he has the, what, what's interesting is it does seem like he has a bigger role in the offense, as far as it seems like the possessions go through him. Um, he 
he, I think, is growing as a player who is not necessarily as focused on scoring as his primary thing as in years past. I'm with I'm you seeing. there. I'm with you there. And so, I, in other words, like, I don't think we're going to see very often, and like, not to say he can't do it, right? But I don't think we're going to see very often a Javon Blackshear takeover where it's like, oh yeah, he just dropped 40 and dispatched this team and that was it. I don't think we're going to see that. Now, now I'm not saying he's Ricky Rubio, right? Like, I think there's something in between there where, like, he can score. But, like, I think it's going to be common for us to see. And obviously, like, he shot particularly poorly in that last game against North Texas. But but I, I think what I want to see from him Coming is off like, an injury, Zach, so... It's true. That's true. Yeah. And that, that's why I said I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I'm yeah. reading that at all. What I want to see is I want to see 10 or 11 points a game, and I want to see a 2-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio. And I think if, if he does that, I'm fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. And I don't know that we're going to get more than that, but I also don't know that we need more than that. I think that's what we need. I, I guess the question that we can ask is what, what are the expectations for the player of the year? Like wh- what expectations is he not living up to? Yeah. Um, Cause I haven't seen anything from him aside from one possession against North Texas with 12, 12 seconds left and no timeouts left where I've been like, Javon is not the player that we expect him to be. Yeah, but you have to remember too, player of the year, uh, like is like it's like an MVP type award. Exactly. Like really, I said, the preseason thing is absolutely yeah, it's lame. Ridiculous. But it's really stats based. Yeah. Do you think there's gonna be a player in the whack on any team who averages 25? Probably, right? I think probably. Yeah. yeah. There'll probably be someone who averages 25 and that person will win player of the year. Now that has nothing to do like, and I I guess like I don't have any statement on like whether or not that player will be better than Blackshear or not, but that's who's going to win the award. It's the person averaging 25. I guess what I'm saying is Blackshear's not in a position with this team. His role in the team is not to be a volume scorer. And I think because he's not going to be a volume scorer, I don't think he's going to be in that player of the year conversation. But I don't think we should look at this as like a failure to live up to potential. I yeah. think that I think that that's not his role. And I, I think him being Black Player of the Year in the preseason set expectations among Lopes fan that he's going to be like the dude who like, he's going to be the Devin Booker of our team. And that's not it. He's not. Yeah. Um, when it comes down to it, you, you had mentioned that the, when it comes to the end of the year, the award is going to be awarded almost primarily stats based. Um, and if that's the case, and if, and if, and if it's going to play out the way we expect it to, I'm going to guess that a player from the team who does not win from a team who does not win either the, regular season championship or the tournament championship will be crowned player of the year for the whack. Or at least I should say, I don't think somebody from the best two teams is going to get whack player of the year. Do you think because the, the top teams are going to have a more parity as far as like their high scorers? Is that what you mean? No, because I think that Sam Houston state is the best team in the whack right now. And I don't think they play a style of basketball where it's like, Oh yeah, this guy is standing out incredibly. He is an a- absolute monster on the stat sheet. They play defensive basketball. That's really incredible. And they're not that much of an offensive team as much as they are defensive and i think grand canyon is a very similar style a little bit more um competent offensively and a little less competent defensively i could see it going to somebody not from those two teams yeah no i think that's a really good it's probably going to be another new mexico state guy 
<laughs> if we're honest. Maybe. You might be right. Yeah. But that's that's just obviously speculation. Um, but that kind of, I guess that concludes our listener questions. I guess I, I need to send out the tweet earlier so that everybody can cook their questions up a little bit uh, quicker or so we have some more questions for the segment. But we should um we should head into around the whack. So what do you have for us around the whack, Zach? Well, around the whack with Zach. Thanks. Every I I named my I named the the segment that in my thing because uh, it always reminds me of the show around the horn, around yeah. the horn. Yeah. Um. And so that's kind of what I what I think of is like now it's time for this segment. Um. But there is a. Yeah, there's a lot happening. So yeah. Um, what I find that's really funny, I don't know why I'm like this. I find that when GC was losing, I'm less inclined to care what other whack teams are doing. I don't know. Do you find that to be the case? A little bit. For me, I just get a little bit more worried about what what we're gonna do when it comes to, you know, January when we're playing whack games. I'm a little bit more like, we lost to North Texas. Are we gonna be able to play well against Sam Houston yeah. State? But yes. I guess this year a little bit more, considering our like I complained about a little bit earlier in the podcast had a little rant about how our seating is based on some net rankings that are generated by the whack Ooh. themselves that's something we can talk we're definitely remind think, me to bring that up later wax hoops whack hoops digest is fending off whack fans from every school imaginable about that topic today on twitter but um, i think i think we need to be more intrigued by what other teams are doing in the whack in the non-conference especially because of that situation where the net rankings for for the whack tournament that determines seeding take into account your performance in the non-conference schedule. So as much as I'm just like, oh, the Lopes lost, I really I'm upset. I'm still going to be, you know, tuned into what's going on in Lopeland. I'm a little bit less like, oh yeah, I'm really intrigued to see what New Mexico State's doing these days and I'm really intrigued to see what Sam Houston State is doing. So I mean, I didn't even know that um, New Mexico State's played Santa Clara until like three hours ago yeah so, and they lost and they lost by like one without four players yeah yeah <laughs> yeah uh hey i'm gonna just keep it real with you so according to ken palm this is by the way i do want to point out another this is why i hate this um metric so ken palm rankings have sam houston state at number 96 they're number one in the country or number one in the country they're number one in the in, in the, the conference WAC. yeah in the whack gcu is number two at 106 like we said they moved up despite their two losses, just given they played good teams. Third is New Mexico State at 116. Um, here's what's interesting about that. Looking at our WAC men's basketball resume seeding system, which is what can, this can is Can we called, acronym that? Can we acronym that? WMRSS. WMRSS. The Wimmers. According to the Wimmers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing it down. According to the Wimmers. Uh, which is what this is now. This is the Wimmers. You've we've officially coined that. Um, where do you think New Mexico State is? Is the question I'm going to ask. And I'm going to completely clickbait you here and say, the answer may surprise you. Zach, I know what it is because I looked at it. Oh, you're and, lame. And you made a tweet about it earlier in the in the week. And I was like, man, that would suck so bad. Um, they're number six in Wimmers, right? No. What are they? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> They're number 10 in Wimmers. Wait, do they update the that ten, daily? Yeah, 10 oh. seeded. We're saying, dude, this this is the worst. 
You're yeah. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Give the team that just lost to Santa Clara by one without any other players, four players and yeah. just and just beat Duquesne, who's ranked higher than like eight of the eight of the thirteen WAC teams. Give them the ten seed. Yeah, yeah. Give them the ten seed. No, no, no. Go ahead. It'll it'll be great. Just so they can run the table and win the make them play, make them play, make them play a play-in game against Southern Utah before they go play two-seeded. By the way, two-seeded Seattle U, who is still fraudulent and we'll get to. This is garbage. I, this sucks, and and it sucks and it's bad and everyone everyone knows it. Sorry, um, and it's, and it's even Digest, worse that Wack Hoop Digest is is defending it. Wack Hoops Digest. If you're listening to this, we agree on a lot of things regarding Wack basketball and low basketball. I don't think we're ever going to agree on this. This, this system this is sucks. not one of them. And and I, I, I think it's terrible. I don't under. And so he asked, um, he got the New Mexico state fans, of course, are just lighting him up. Right. Because he, he has, As kind they of been the should. Staple, he has As been they the should. staple defender of this whack hoops digest that no, this system is, is good. And he asked the question. Uh, oh, sorry. I have to, I have, it's on my personal account. I have to go to that. Cause I was like trying to find it. Um, he asked the question. Um, to a New Mexico State fan in this argument, uh, like what's bad about it? Like what's wrong? Um, if you're not a fan, and this goes for everyone of the new wax seating system, shoot me a message and explain your thoughts on it. Would love to hear them. It's an interesting debate, so let's talk about it. Uh, as far as like why you're not a fan of it, and the question I asked is, why is it better than just using conference record? And I think that like the New Mexico State fans in his mentions, like have a certain way of like, they already kind of hate him because they think he's a Lopes fan, which is kind of weird because I'm like 104% sure he's like a Utah Valley graduate. So I don't know why they think that. Or like, I'm pretty sure he's like a Utah Valley guy, like pretty heavy, uh, which is great. Um, So I, I don't know why that's the interpretation, but they're like on him. But I, I that's the question I still have, which is like, how are you going to tell me that this system is better than just, than just like, their schedule now if we were going to say if we were going to say we're taking their record and this metric is the tie break right if two teams go 11 and 7 and we want to figure that's fine but to say like no seattle u who went seven and one and is barely beating teams in the 300s like they're the two seed and new mexico state lost to santa clara and we don't care that they were down four guys they're the 10 seed uh and you're playing each other in the second round and seattle u's ranked eight points higher good luck is just like the most bonkers thing ever and i hate it I think it's so, bad. so did you actually have a discussion with Wack Hoops Digest? I did not. Like, I didn't get a response to that. Okay, and that's no say, that's no shade. But Zach, he had I a think, lot of replies on that. I think I, I think I know the answer to that. Why is this better than the records? And the answer is going to be, and not that I agree with it by any means, is that we have so many teams in the conference that we don't play everybody twice. And we discussed this on the last episode. Well, as much as I know that teams in these conferences hate it. Um, the big 10 and the pac 12 are playing conference games right now. As we speak, I just watched a, an Iowa versus Wisconsin game, a conference game in mid to early December, right? This is, this is never, this is, this is not anything somebody's happy about, but I would tell you this, it's better to play these games where you're able to play everybody twice um, play those games earlier in the season than have your seating determined by something that is. It makes no sense. It makes no sense, Zach. Because yeah, let, let's not let's move on from the from the from the Wimmers, okay? 
the Wimmers. Let's let's talk about the NCAA rankings, the net rankings. Oh my gosh, Sam Houston State. Excuse Terrible. me, number seven in the nation. Yeah, give him a two seed. Give him a two seed. It's fine. Stop it. Yeah, yeah. stop it. That is absurd. Okay, and if and if that's what we're basing the Wimmers off of, a combination of of um, NCAA rankings, net rankings, and um, the Ken Palm rankings, then I don't see how you can even justify for the slightest second um, using that when Sam Houston State is ranked seven in the net rankings. It makes no sense. Yeah. Now, uh, Sam Houston did go on this week to lose to Oklahoma State, which which they're a good team. I, I have a lot of respect for Sam Houston State for scheduling this schedule that they've scheduled. And I also do think Sam Houston state is good. Um, yeah, and I think yeah. that they're very well could be the best team in the whack, but there's there right now. I don't even think like, we, I, yeah, I think we completely disagree. We completely agree there. Yeah. Even with this loss, they're number 23 in the country. Yeah. Come, come on. Yeah. No, come on. 95 is a good spot for them. And, and Ken Palm is this team uh, is ranked one. This team is ranked one rank below Baylor. You you can't justify that. What are we even doing? Ba- Baylor would beat Sam Houston State by thirty <clears throat> points. Yeah, you know who's ranked right below them? Who? New Mexico at twenty four. I don't know that New Mexico should be that high. They're good, but I don't think they They're should good. be that high. That's crazy. And you know who's ranked right below those teams? Who? Two teams who are actually at large teams: Arkansas and Arizona State. It's it's absurd. It is absurd. Yeah, I don't I don't really get it. I don't NCAA really like net NCAA net rankings are a joke. The Wimmers is a joke. And Whack yeah. Hoops Digest cannot do anything to convince me otherwise. I yeah, I just and I like I actually really like Wax Hoops Digest, so please don't yeah. don't give no. me a hard time because I think that guy's awesome. Um yeah. or I guess it's not just one guy anymore. There's like a bunch of them. That's a great, they're great. Um, but yeah, the Wimmers is horrible. Um, we should just be using head-to-head record. And it's true, like, you know, GCU only plays Sam Houston once this year, and it's on the road. And so yeah. what's going to happen is, like, if we lose that game on the road, we're going to be asking the question all year, which is, if we played them at home, too. Like, if we played them at home, would we won. Would the whole seating be different if we played them at home instead of on the road? And is that why we're using the Wimmers, right? Yeah. If that's the argument, I get it. But if that's the say, argument, let's play everybody twice. Yeah, yeah. But then to say, like, well, since GCU only played them once and we're unsure, I guess I guess here's what I'm saying, right? I'm gonna, and this is going to explain why this is so ridiculous. GCU only played Sam Houston on the road and we're not sure if they would have beaten them at home. And so to figure out if GCU or Sam Houston are actually better, we've come up with this algorithm that says that New Mexico State is the 10 seed and we're using that. It's like we've we've like fixed a problem by creating a far worse problem like that's so absurd we've fallen this, so far from grace Zach. the solution to the minor the minor discrepancies in strength of schedule because of not playing everyone twice is so much less of a problem than this thing that's telling me that seattle's a two seed and new mexico state's a 10 seed that's bonkers man we, we shouldn't Seattle's even so we shouldn't even be having this discussion. This is so bad. This is this is really bad. Let's let's uh let's just move on before both of us okay. drop dead in our chairs. Mid major top twenty five. What do we have there? So well, here's the problem. It hasn't been updated since Monday. It updates on like Monday or Tuesday. So yep. this is prior to the Lopes dropping two games. But the yep. last update had Sam Houston at number eight. Uh, and GCU at number 10, and those were the only two whack teams in there. I don't yeah. expect GCU to stay at 10. I think they're going to drop pretty far. Sam Houston lost to Oklahoma State, but I, I don't... They might drop out of the top 10. They'll still be on the list. What is North uh, Texas think, at? 
Oh, that's a really great question. I have it up. Let me let me check. Okay. Yeah, no, I think um, 10 was probably really high for GCU in the first place, but I don't see us dropping below 20, even with the two losses, and, that, and that's all dependent on where North Texas is. So what do you have? What conference is North Texas in? Conference USA. Are they not included in mid-major top 25? No, there's not a single. Yeah, there's not a single Conference USA team here. Okay, uh, which is bonkers to me because there's three top fifty, or there's like three top yeah. hundred teams in the country. Well, I guess that's okay. Yeah, you, you got a question where where does the line stop for for mid majors? Because yeah, I mean they also don't include the American, which I guess I I get that um, one's reasonable. But I guess the the WAC they is do, only but they have ranked... Gonzaga on here at number one. So yeah, the WAC is only ranked one behind conference usa in yeah i can understand i can understand not including the american i can also understand not including the west coast conference if we want to even say gonzaga but i i think but anything it is beyond included. that is crazy it is yeah the, that's what i'm saying the west coast conference is included i don't understand why is it an fbs thing is it like conferences that are fbs in football are not included in, mm. in this is that the thing uh I don't know. I don't know what the criteria is, but if you look at Ken Palm, the ratings um, beyond the power five, you have the um, holy cow. The PAC 12 is ranked ahead of the ACC. The PAC 12 is kind of sick, man, except <laughs> but, when um, they play the swag. But okay. So, so after the ACC, which is the, the sixth ranked conference in, ba- in college basketball, uh, according to Ken Palm, you have mountain West at seven yeah. American at eight. Okay. West Coast at nine, Atlantic ten at ten. There's Conference... no Atlantic ten in here either. Okay, then that wouldn't make sense about the uh, the FBS thing. Dude, this because... is so weird. Is there a yeah. Big East in here? Big East is they're mid majors. Well, no, they're not. Because no, I they're... know, but yeah. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, after after the A ten is Conference USA, and then after Conference USA is the WAC. Um, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know uh, what the what the deciding factor is on who wait a constitutes minute. as a is, There's no Mountain West teams. No, there isn't. What? I don't understand why there's all these. Like, this why, is kind of weird to me. Why is the A10 not oh, in there? Why isn't Conference uh, USA in the there? The mid-major poll is made up of teams from the following conferences. American East, Atlantic Sun, Big Sky, Big South, Big West, Colonial, Horizon, Independence, Ivy, uh, MAAC, MAC, MEAC, Missouri Valley, Northeast, Ohio Valley Patriot, Southern, Southland, SWAC, Summit, Sunbelt, West Coast, Western Athletic. But the question is why those conference and who's making that decision? That is an awesome question. And like, I don't it's college insider because they have an answer. I mean, it is college insider. Um, do you follow the mid-major madness page on Twitter? I believe so. Yes. That's a good, that's a good page. I, I honestly trust them more than I trust then I trust College Insider just because, like, I know they actually watch it. Nick Lawrenson. Do you have uh, their rankings up? Nick Lawrenson, who tweets for them, it got retweeted an hour ago. Wait a minute. This is bad. This is horrible. What is it? They have Florida Atlantic at five and UAB at six. UAB is Conference USA. So is Florida Atlantic. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Those so- are the two top 50 teams in that conference, and they're ranked five and six, respectively, which means that it is. That the conference USA the conference is included is in there. So you're going to tell me that North Texas isn't a top 25 mid major. You're going to tell me that Sam Houston State's not a top 25 mid major. I don't know, man. 
Let's uh let's talk about bracketology a little bit. Yeah. Um last bracketology has Sam Houston as a 12 seed. Whose um, bracketology do you have? ESPN's. Um, so that's uh who's the ESPN guy? Joe Lenardi. Okay. Joe Lenardi ESPN, it upgrades every Monday. So unfortunately, what that means is that by the time you guys are hearing this, there will be a new one out. So I'll, I'll be checking that. This can this is from December 5th. Tomorrow on the 12th, there'll be a new one. Um, but yeah, according to this, we we do have 12 seated, uh 12 seated uh Sam Houston State. So Andy Katz bracketology has Seattle as a 14 seed. I stop. Stop. Andy Katz obviously is not paying attention to whack basketball. I really have a lot of respect for Andy Katz. He's a bracketologist that I I, I think is is really good. There's he's gotta be kidding. Like, come on, man. He's getting fooled <laughs> by the by the rankings. Hey, this is gonna we're talking about Seattle. We have a lot to talk about with New Mexico State. I think we should save that till the end because I have to sure. like I have a little bit there are a lot of so I for those of you that might be listening for this, there's a lot of developments with the New Mexico State story regarding what's happened the last couple weeks. Um, we're gonna get into that at the end. Right now, I have some teams that I have to apologize to that I said they're not actually very good and they're showing me that they are. And then I have one team uh, that actually just still isn't good and I'm losing my mind. Um, and we're going to start with the teams I have to apologize to. And those teams are uh, Utah Valley and New Mexico State. Um, no, New Mexico State, I didn't really, I never really said that they weren't good. I think just what I said was given like external issues, I don't have any data that shows me anything about them yet. So I'm, I'm not going to say that they're good yet. Um, I, I am now ready to say that I think they're good. Um just given they lost to Santa Clara, who I think I believe to be a good team. I believe to be a team that could totally beat the Lopes. They lost to Santa Clara by one without like four of their starters. Um, and then they went on to uh, to beat Duquesne today. Um, and Duquesne is a solid by, program too. By double digits in a true road game, which is listed as like a quad B game. Um, so, I mean, that just like, Santa Clara, for what it's worth, I mean, they beat Wyoming in overtime, which I guess, I guess, so did we in, in a at a neutral site. I don't know. I think they're a pretty good team. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, I think New Mexico State's really good. Um, I think they. How good are they? I, I think they're good enough to win the WAC. I, I don't think I don't think that they're my favorite to win the WAC right now, but they're definitely good enough to do it. Um, so I, I think I've seen enough to know like man this seems really good um on wednesday they're playing at st mary's which, which is like a huge game I, they're gonna lose that I, that's my prediction they're gonna lose their 13 point underdogs but this is a game that's gonna show me like if they lose by double digits and i'll say like okay like i still obviously like i'm not gonna take a loss to st mary's is like this team isn't good <clears throat> uh this is an opportunity i think only to impress if they lose pretty badly then i'll say yeah st mary's is really good and if they like win, then I will say, oh man. Um, Here's the thing. I think there's an even better gauge for us um, next week. Actually, two weeks from now on Wednesday against Kent yeah. State. That's yeah. going to be that's going to be home. the biggest measuring stick for oh, them. Semi home. Yeah. So Where that one's it must be somewhere in New Mexico, New Mexico, but not at not at campus. Yeah. Three point dogs in that game. That'll be a big game. Yeah. So they got some big games coming up and then they get into conference play. Um, keeping an eye on them, but they, they looked good. Um, they blew out a, a, a Simon Fraser, who's isn't that te- that team's in Canada, right? Is that yep, what you they're said? they're in Canada. 
lost to Santa Clara by one <clears throat> without a bunch of starters. Now, if you might be, you might be wondering, like, unless you're a New Mexico State fan, you already know why are a bunch of starters out? We're gonna get into that. Um, not right now though. Um, Prerequisite, yeah. Yeah, this is kind of a uh, foreshadowing. Um, uh, Utah Valley. Um, this whole season, I have been saying like I thought this team was supposed to be pretty good, and I don't think they are. I think they're bad. Um, and and I was just like they lost to Morgan State. Morgan State's bad. They beat Green Bay in Northern Colorado. Congratulations. Play a team in the top 200, please. They did. Uh, they lost to all of them. And then what they did is they they beat Long Beach State by 10 on the road. And I thought, oh, that's a pretty good win. And I think we talked about that um, <clears throat> last Sunday, which is like, hey, it's not a bad win. Like, okay, whatever. Well, this week, they went into BYU and beat them by 15. BYU is not as good as BYU has been, no, but BYU, BYU is still is a top 100 team. And it was a true road game. Yes. And that's yes, not, yes. Yes. It's not a game. I think the Lopes would win and they won by 15. Yes. Yes. You are right. You are right. I just don't, I want, I want everybody to realize that BYU yeah. is not going to right. be a contender in the West coast conference. Correct. This is not a tournament team unless they get the auto. Bins. Although they not did beat, they did just beat crazy <clears throat> yesterday Dude. <laughs> by three. Well, maybe. What's their record? Creighton's on a skid, though. Oh, no. <clears throat> BYU is not. They're not an at-large team. They need the bid, and they're not going to get it. Um, and, and keep in mind, that is a revenge game. So uh, for those of you like that, that don't know, um, their coach, Mark Pope, um, wasn't he the former Utah Valley coach? Yes, he was. He was yeah. He was the coach there when <clears throat> we were in school. Wow, when we were the last time we were doing this podcast, uh, Mark Pope <clears throat> was actually the Utah Valley coach. So perhaps some bad blood there i think um maybe, it's maybe a huge blood. rivalry yeah. for utah valley it's they, yeah and that's yeah. that's what was said um <clears throat> is it's one of those things where you know it's it's the in-state mid-major against i guess BYU's still a mid-major but you know that that's the game that like utah valley's a little brother and and they they want to win that game and it's huge for them to win it's, it's like when we play asu it's like when gcu plays asu yeah. right they're not in the same conference they don't really have a lot of interaction but it is kind of like one of those rivalries where like if little brother ever will wins like it's gonna be huge and, and and utah valley got that and that's really great for them um they looked really good doing it <clears throat> they followed that performance by yesterday beating northern arizona by five in overtime who's northern like, arizona is horrible ever. yeah they're just awful team um so i guess like <clears throat> i don't know like i don't know what to make of it <clears throat> but it certainly shows me that like they're able to play at a certain level which is awesome um yes. So I, I'm willing to now say like, okay, this is a Utah Valley team that I actually think is good. Um, so uh, yeah, they're they're definitely moving to me in my like of my power rankings in my mind of like where I think teams are. Uh, I, I think that now we have at the top. Uh, I think that Sam Houston is still the the team to beat, even though they they picked up that loss to Oklahoma State. Um, I still think they're the team to beat. Who's number 37 in the country, by the way, and it was on the road. Um, it was a quad A game. Yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, and then I think we have, according to the net rankings, it's GCU, then New Mexico State, then Utah Valley, and then Seattle. <sighs> so let's transition into the team that you have no apologies for. And, and that just... is Seattle U. And Seattle U is at fifth, and that might even just still be too high. No, I, I don't know. I think five is probably fine. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. Oh, what? What's all right? What's the like acronym we came up with for that stupid algorithm? Wimmers. The Wimmers. Yeah, according to the Wimmers, Seattle used the two seed right now, but 
But here's the deal. Here's the deal with that is Seattle U. I and I look, I just I feel bad because I just say this every every podcast, and I just I feel like we could just stop the podcast right now and I could just like go copy the exact thing I said last week in and every week of the podcast. This is week what five or I guess yeah. the fourth week that I've been on. And I think all four weeks I've said the same thing, which is like, yeah, Seattle just keeps winning. Someday they'll play a real team. And uh, that just continues, right? They, they played a game this week. The game was against North Dakota. Um, it was their first game in 10 or 11 days. So, so nothing really to report last week. Of course, uh, their only losses to Washington. Washington is the only team they played in the top 100. They did lose by 11 on the road. It felt like it was a lot worse than 11. It kind of felt like Washington owned them. A, a team um, that is just barely in the top 100. Number 96. Yep. They did beat Portland on the road. Portland's number 107. Portland had a pretty good showing against some, some good teams. Portland's not bad. <clears throat> Outside of that, like no one in the top 250. Um, <clears throat> oh, I guess Fullerton's number 241. Uh, and they beat them at home by seven. Um, Can so I tell yesterday... you what's going to happen, Zach? Can I tell you yeah. what's going to happen? What? They are going to somehow beat Oregon State. We're going to scream. And everybody is going to be like, oh my gosh, Seattle. They're, they should be in the the one seed now the Oregon they're better State than the, yeah the Oregon the literally State number 228 in the, the country. second worst power conference team in the country which i but don't they're think gonna see right it because i think cal and louisville are both worse but that's okay well cal um, is worse so but <clears throat> hey here's the thing they're gonna see it as whack mid-major seattle beat power conference oregon state no. and they're just gonna lose their minds and all of a sudden we're gonna be looking at another week of you having to say this I'm seattle schedule a real opponent mission impossible <laughs> i put that in the podcast notes every week and every week it just continues to be rue to be true seattle you play a real team challenge still impossible um Here, here's the thing so, zach we have one more week of it because we have oregon state and alcorn state for them oh it's going to be fun to see what they do with alcorn state but lose. after that utah state they're going to lose that game utah I made state a is still undefeated i made a prediction last week Looking at this four-game stretch of North Dakota, Oregon State, Alcorn State, Utah, my prediction was they're going to lose three of these four games. That's what I said last week. Now, we have we've been dancing around what actually happened in this North Dakota game. North Dakota is number three hundred and thirteen in the country. <laughs> they won by two points in, in overtime. Overtime. Now, a win is a win. Yes. This one is the opposite of a moral victory. This, yeah, whatever a moral victory is. Winning by two against a team that you're ranked 180 points higher than, even though it's on the road. I mean, like, gosh, I just really think Seattle's not very good. And I just am so sick of them being the number two team in the conference on the Wimmers. And is that what it is? I don't even remember. Yes, um, it is Wimmers. Wimmers. Yeah. They're they're gonna lose. They're gonna start losing some games, is what I'm gonna say. Um, if if you know what, here's actually what I will say, though. And, and I mean this. I will be impressed if they beat Oregon State and Alcorn State. Even though both of those teams are ranked outside of the top 200s, uh, Oregon State is still a power conference team, and Alcorn State is a team that I watched give GCU a really hard time. And so if they go, like, beat both of those teams, I, I kind of will still think, like, yeah, I don't think they're actually that great, but I, I don't know that I'll be... I don't know that I will be as hard on them as I have been. But man, like, I just really don't think Seattle is very good. You realize that they're going to be heading into conference play 
Um, probably nine and two. I hate it here. I do. I do realize that. And then you know what they're going to do? What? They're going to play Cal Baptist at home, who they'll probably beat. The, yeah. And then you know who they're going to play? Who are they playing? GV and UT Arlington, yeah. who they're probably also going to beat. Yeah. And then they're going to be what? 12 and two. And then everyone's going to say, this is the best team in the conference. This is the best team in the conference. Yeah. And then you know what they're going to do? They're going to lose to New Mexico State. They're going to lose to Utah Valley. They're going to lose to Tarleton at home. They're going to lose to Southern Utah. They're going to lose to Sam Houston on the road. They're going to lose to Stephen F. Austin on the road. They're going like they're going to lose eight in a row. I'm serious. They're losing eight in a row in the middle section of this, of this conference. They're going to finish like four games below 500. Their, their losing streak is going to end at Grand Canyon. They're going to beat us in Gosh, Seattle. They are. They are. They're going to come into GCU and beat us. And then like lose to UT Arlington at home at the end of the season. And then like they're gonna be the four seed and they're gonna play like in the first round, they're gonna play like they're gonna play five seeded New Mexico State, who's 15 and one, but the Wimmers just hates them. Uh and, <laughs> and then that's gonna be it for them. But that's 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 I mean, Seattle's not good. I, I don't know. Well, look, like if you're a Seattle fan and you're listening to this, like please clip this and post this if you guys beat Oregon State and Alcorn. Okay. But like Seattle sucks. And no, okay, that's kind of me. Um <laughs> I, I don't I guess here's here's what I, here's what it is. I don't think Seattle is that bad. Like I'm not saying Seattle's bad. What I'm saying is they're not good and we shouldn't treat them like they're good because they're seven and one. I watched GCU do what Seattle's doing right now every year that I was in college, which is schedule the whole swack in MEAC. And then be 14 and one going into or you play you play one by game at a top 10 team. And then you just beat the crap out of all the sub 300 teams. And then you're like, they're 15 and one and their only loss is Duke. This team's awesome. And then, <laughs> and then they lose to New Mexico State three times. And I just, I've seen this tale so many times and I'm done seeing it. Seattle's not good. You, you weren't born yesterday, yesterday, Zach. I've been around. I've seen enough. Let's head into New Mexico State, dude. This okay. is, this is one for the ages. Okay. This is a good, I feel like this is a good podcast. I don't know. I feel like yeah. me being less prepared is, is, is the energy's pretty good. Maybe, yeah. Maybe we should do this every week. <laughs> we three, are we three out? We're definitely three hours in now. Huh? Uh, no, we're about two and a half. Oh my gosh. All right. Well, this New Mexico state part might take the last 30. Um. All right. So previously on the New Mexico state situation, um, what we have. So just to recap, there was an incident. I don't even know when that game was supposed to be at this point. A couple of weeks ago, New Mexico State was went to Albuquerque to play the University of New Mexico, which of course is their like big in-state rival. New Mexico and New Mexico State is is a, is a big rivalry. Um, there was an incident where a, a New Mexico State player, uh, Mike Peak, was that his name? Um, yep. Went so on in Albuquerque. They they were there for the game the night before the game was lured onto campus by some New Mexico State students. University of New Mexico. Mexico. On the, right, by, sorry, by some University of New Mexico students and the New Mexico State students, it sounds like, lured him there um, with the intent to, like, ambush him and kill him. Uh, he had a gun, and he ended up getting shot. And in return, he also shot and killed one of the New Mexico students. And... It was this, um, it led to obviously, uh, 
the New Mexico and New Mexico State games got canceled. So both that game and the later game, which was supposed to be in New Mexico State, those games got canceled. Um, and and Mike Peak uh, was kicked off the team. And there's pending, um, there's a pending police investigation. Um, that so, was kind of the update from yeah. last week. Mm-hmm. What we have now is more uh, is some more developments on that. Well, for for the people who who haven't been following, the questions that we've been asking are: Why did he ga- have a gun with him on a basketball trip? Where did the gun come from? Where did the gun go afterwards? Right. Um, um, what all were good questions? You know, what were his teammates doing? All this stuff. So, um, with right. that, our updates. Okay. So here's here's what we have. Um. An article was posted by KOAT Channel 7, which which I think is a local news um a, a local news station in Albuquerque. Albuquerque um posted a, a, an article about what had happened with um an interview with the 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 police that were involved in the situation. And the gist of it is it makes New Mexico State look really bad. Now, I, I, before we get into this, I want to preface this by saying that there has already been a lot of uh, talk and, and a lot of like evidence shown by New Mexico State fans and, and Las Cruces journalists to show that this is not necessarily an accurate, uh, not a very accurate like uh, level Reporting. series of events. Reporting, yeah. yeah. Um, and so uh treat that as you will just know that this is uh the article as posted by albuquerque news that those in new mexico have uh difficult i don't know have difficulty uh accepting so here's uh, that that makes it sound like it's true i don't think this is true i think a lot of stuff in this article is not great uh here's what it says uh the headline is charges threatened against new mexico state basketball players and coaches which is already like a really incendiary headline um The, the first paragraph of this just comes out really hot. Uh, state police warned an NMSU athletic director that Aggie basketball players and coaches could be charged with a crime if they didn't turn over evidence they took after the deadly shooting at New Mexico. Following the self-defense shooting involved forward Mike Peak, a state agent had warned the school officials that if players and coaches didn't start turning over their teammates' gun, phone, and tablet, they could be charged with a felony. Um, it, it goes on to say... Uh, and this is the the interview um, with with the New Mexico State Athletic Director, uh, whose name is in the article, but I, I'm not going to mention. Uh, I don't know what those players did with the gun, tablet, and phone between the incident and now. If those items are in one of the rooms, you know we need them to hand it over, hand those things over now. They're evidence, so we don't want anyone else to get hemmed up for tampering with evidence. We'd like to nip this in the bud now. Um, and then the, the author of this goes on to say, in New Mexico, it's a fourth-degree felony to tamper with evidence. It's punishable by up to 18 years in prison. Um, Sounds to me like the people in Albuquerque really want to see some basketball players in prison. Yeah, they want heads to roll. They want they want the they want the player they want the team to be shut down. They want players and coaches behind bars. Um, yep. And I think that's pretty dramatic. But um, I, I mean, not to say like it's dramatic I, obviously like what happened not, is, is not, very yeah, serious it's a very serious but, situation but i think that like this this is just a really gung-ho approach and like i guess what it seems like they're doing is 
they're taking a shot at like their school rival and trying to portray them is, is really bad. Uh, but what that's actually doing is I think taking away from the really tragic events that actually happened by trying to say like, all oh, these guys should be in jail. It's like, Oh, okay. Um, with that being said, there are a couple things that are reported in this article that are very serious and that have actual repercussions um, for the team. So one of the incidents that you've heard is uh, as the New Mexico state team was on its way back to Las Cruces, um, the police uh, had to chase the bus. They, this is, this is like the wording that they use so as to make it seem worse for New Mexico state that, that there was a chase where the police are like New Mexico state bus is like trying to get back to Las Cruces before the police can like, find him and get the gun right and there's like this high speed chase of like a school bus of basketball yeah, players it, it, it paints a picture in your head of a charter right. bus going 110 yeah. down the freeway in <laughs> yeah Mexico, which New Mexico. which is just like <laughs> whatever um it was probably going 45 miles per hour and then stopped immediately when the lights started flashing yeah anyways um yeah so so the police did like have lots of interviews with, with New Mexico State players and coaches and they did ask that like you know his like tablet and phone and, and such be handed over um there were a couple of reports that that were tricky here um and that has to do with like where did the gun go um which i believe we actually at this time have um uh so we have um the, the kind of the, the footage of what happened there's uh, video now of this. You can find it on Twitter. Um, three other New Mexico State players, um, all of whom were suspended for that Santa Clara game. So tying back, the reason that, that they were down four players obviously might peak. But then three other players um, after the shooting occurred went to go pick Mike Peak up uh, and then presumably like knew about the, the gun and, and what had happened, but came and picked him up. They were seen driving in uh, a yellow Camaro on the um, like security camera footage in, in the parking lot. Um, and then they drove away, presumably like back to where the team was staying. They all received a one game suspension. So those three players missed the Santa Clara game, but are now back. Um, but that obviously it wasn't a great look that like not only, do you, and, then, and then I guess the idea is New Mexico straight, I think is trying to paint. This as this is an isolated incident that what this guy did is really bad. And what Albuquerque this article is trying to say is the entire New Mexico state basketball team and their whole coaching staff is responsible. And this is right. And, and I think the truth is like somewhere in the middle, which is, it does seem yeah. like there's, there's, there's help, right. Uh, players went to pick him up after the shooting and knew about the gun, which isn't a good look. Uh, there's another claim. And I don't know what the legitimacy of this is another claim that a member of the coaching staff knew about and actually held on to the gun for peak, which is really bad. Um, so, so it is, it is hard. Like, well, this article says a lot of things that are really incendiary and possibly untrue. It also does state a couple of facts that, that we've just mentioned that makes the program not look great. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts? I, first and foremost, I would just say the fact that they went and played so well against Santa Clara and then beat Duquesne with all of this happening around them that's that impresses me the most is I can't imagine all of the noise and, and the 
I guess the hate that's coming down towards them, especially from the sources in Albuquerque, but that that's enough to make somebody crumble. And for these 20, like these 18 to 22 year olds to, to go out and still, still perform. That's, that's impressive. Um, and you know how much I, I don't like to praise New Mexico state. So when it comes down to it though, it's exactly how you stated it. We have a situation where it's falling somewhere in between what's been reported, whether it's an isolated situation with one person or, you know, the whole team is involved. It's somewhere in the middle. And I think the biggest question for me is, is still what was the intent in the first place? Cause from what we speculated and what kind of was what the narrative was right when it happened was that they lured him on the camp onto campus because like it was like a booty call situation where he was going to see a girl who we mentioned this in a couple podcasts ago was 17 years old. Yes. So that's bad, but um, well, regardless. Sure. Yeah. But here's the, here's the thing no, that, that is I, bad. Sorry. Not to say like, that's not bad. That is bad. I think the idea is uh, he, it sounds like they were catfishing him. So yes, no, 100%. So, right. So for him, like, the narrative was that it was a booty call, but the question is you're going on a booty call. Why are you bringing in a gun? Is it just because you're going onto the campus of the, of the team that hates you guys the most? Is it yeah. because you knew what was about to happen? Like what the heck is going on here? Because when it comes down to it, whether he knew or not what exactly the situation was, he had a gun on him for what was presumably a catfish booty call. Yeah, this is just, it's it's messy not great not great and um so those three players who were who were the ones who went to pick him up um and there's footage of him putting like his his things along with the gun in the back in the trunk of the car and then driving off with the other three um i don't know that we'll see any further stuff come out i guess i guess here's the thing so wait a minute wait a minute zach wait a minute so they picked him up after he was shot yeah as far as far as i know what um Okay, Did they me... just like drive him to the hospital? After the shooting, Peak is seen on video approaching a yellow Camaro where he meets three of his teammates, um, Issa Muhammad, uh, Marcus Avery, and Anthony Roy. Peak is seen putting items into the trunk right before the car drives off. Police arrive after the Camaro left. So yeah, after this the shooting. After, so, so I mean, presumably... Uh, He's been shot. So his teammates know that he has been shot. Um, and respond. So this is like its own thing that isn't mentioned in here, which is he's been shot. And what they do is what did they take him to the hospital or did they take him back to the hotel? There would have to be hotel footage. Dude, this is so bad. Yeah. Um, the fact that the, those players are still playing, like they they played against Duquesne, didn't they? Mm-hmm. That's a little messed up. One of them was, uh, yeah, one of them was actually their high scorer for the night. Yeah, yeah, that's a little messed up. I just, oh man, it, this is this is really bad. And Coach Hire's response to this isn't great either. And again, this is where like the 
the way in which this is worded makes it look particularly bad. But regardless of that, I still think it's kind of bad. When police went looking to question the three, they spoke with Coach Heyer, who told investigators that he didn't know where the gun was and that he needed to check with his athletic director to see if the players needed to get attorneys. He told the detectives he would, quote, get back to him. The coach also said he didn't know Peak that well because he had only been on the team for seven months. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is this is not great. Um, so it was after this incident with police. So this is what's reported is the police then tried to call, again call um, <clears throat> Coach Hire, the head coach, and Coach Taylor, who was the assistant coach and responsible for like the room checks and who was responsible for making sure Pete didn't sneak out. The police called both of them. <clears throat> both of them declined the calls. They went to voicemail. Uh, saying to, Again, saying they declined the call is, seems speculative to me. The calls went to voicemail, and yeah. then the New Mexico State team got back on their bus and headed home, uh, which is when the police fought, like, got, stopped them. Um, but yeah, this is, I mean, this is not not good. And and I, I would say, so for those of you, like, this article is not very good in the sense that it, it does seem to pretty heavily just be propaganda it's just like again take it with a grain of take it with a grain but of salt there are some things in there that i think are not good and i think you know like for as bad as the reporting might be you can't argue with security camera footage so yeah that is tough yeah let's uh let's end this thing on a lighter note okay yeah <clears throat> So college basketball has been shaken up quite a bit since we last picked our one seeds. It has. So first and foremost, before you even look. Yeah. Can you name all of the undefeated teams in the nation? No. And I'll give you a hint. There I are cannot s- name a single one. There are seven of them. What? You can't name a single one. I saw I saw something on Twitter today that UConn is undefeated. Yep, UConn is um, undefeated. So I, I do know that. Um, we just said that Houston lost, so, so Houston, Houston is not one of them. Um, I think Virginia was one of my one seed picks. Are they still undefeated? Yep, they are eight and zero. So you have two. Are they? Are they? Virginia. Where do they rank? Are they like? Are they like number number two behind UConn, or are they number one? They're they are nine in Ken Palm. What? Okay, um, that's cool. Uh, no, I I don't think I can name anyone else. Okay, there's one in the Big Ten. Big Ten. Who's dominating the Big Ten? Uh, this team beat Gonzaga. Uh, is it Purdue? Purdue is okay. ten and zero. Okay. Okay, you have one SEC team, and uh, to, Alabama, I'll, son of them. Um, oh my gosh, this is a team that you would not expect to be. Who's their coach? <laughs> is it a former? It it, it actually is Zach. It I'm gonna scream. Is. I'm gonna scream. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Mississippi State's it? undefeated. Mississippi Dude, State is currently nine and zero. They're twenty two in Ken Bomb. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew that they beat. I knew that they beat Marquette 
in Utah. And I was like, okay. But then I, I guess like, dude, this is so stupid. All right. Who else do we have? Who else is undefeated? We have three Mountain West teams. <laughs> uh, UNLV? Yes. Okay. Um, oh and my gosh. The Mountain West. Uh, San Diego State? Nope. Okay. Dude, who is in the Mountain West? Oh, uh, Utah State. Utah State, who will be yeah, playing Seattle um, U soon. Yeah, that's gonna be a stomp sorry. Route. Should I should rephrase that? Utah State, who will be beating U- Seattle U soon by thirty. So yeah. that might be a lot, but by a lot. So we have Utah State, UNLV, UNLV, not San Diego State, a Mountain West team. Oh, it's not New Mexico. It is New Mexico, dude. They are nine and zero. You're joking. They are eighty one in Ken Palm. They have only played one team in the top one hundred. Um, that would be St. Mary's, who they beat by three on the road so it's a really solid win but aside from them they haven't played anybody in the top 150 for that matter wow so the mountain west is kind of crazy so yeah so we have we have seven undefeated teams left who are you going to do for your one seeds re it's like re-picking them re-pick your one seeds i originally picked houston I'm, i'm sticking with houston i still think that's the right pick okay um i think they're just that good um I believe, okay, so at the time, I think the fourth one seed I picked was Arizona, yep. um, and they were at the time ranked in the 20s. They right now are, well, let me pull up the rankings. They're they 12. right now are 12th in the country at 8-1. I still like Arizona a lot. I think they look really good. I was concerned about them, but they just look awesome. I'm going to take Arizona. I'm going to take Houston. Uh, I'm going to take Virginia. I think those are all three teams I took, and I think my fourth team was North Carolina, and they just are terrible. Are awful. And with even with four losses now, I, I don't think that a one seed's like even in the cards for them anymore. Yeah. Um, but I am gonna say Houston, Virginia, Arizona. I'm gonna keep those three. And yeah. I don't, I just I just don't like I don't think Connecticut has it in them. Um and I, I'm not gonna pick UCLA because there's no shot we're getting two one seeds from the Pac 12. Um I'm gonna go ahead and pick I'm gonna go ahead and pick Purdue. They just look okay. like a buzzsaw, and I'm sure they're yeah. they're obviously going to lose. Like I don't expect them to continue to be undefeated. Well, they have like, the best. They have the best player in the nation right now in Zach Eady. He's probably going to win the national player of the year. Yeah, I mean, dude, Matt huge. Painter pounding nails. Like <laughs> <laughs> he's just so good. He's so so good. I'm actually I'm actually going to take Houston out. Um, really? Yes, and and here's the reason. Did you see anything following up that loss to Alabama? No. What do you mean? So their coach, Calvin Sampson, yeah, said there is no leadership on this team. Oh, I love Calvin Sampson, man. He's awesome. He, he's from Butte, Montana. There's no leadership on this team. <laughs> so that that's a little concerning to me. I think that they will write the ship and they'll be fine. I don't see them being a one seed, though. Um, <laughs> the American is a tough conference. And I think to be a one seed this year, I think you're looking at maybe four losses max. Overall, max. Have you seen? Are you looking at their schedule right now? No, I'm just saying to be a one seed this year, the most losses you can have is four. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Are you are you seeing Houston's schedule? I'm looking at it. They're right not going to lose. Now. They're going to lose. They're not losing more than four games. You don't think so? No. Okay. Well, they're they got Virginia coming up. They do. Um, they have th- their conference that's is it. really decent. Memphis is a good team. Um, I think I think they I think they'll lose to Virginia. <clears throat> 
And I think they'll lose two games in conference play and that'll be, that'll be their four losses. Okay. So, I mean, they certainly could be a one seed. I see them as a two seed. I got, I, I actually do have Connecticut. I think Connecticut is solid. Um, UConn has wins over um, Alabama by a lot. They have a win over by, or a win over Oklahoma State by 10. They have a win over Oregon by a lot. And they have a win over Iowa State by a lot. And those are all top 50 teams. They don't have any uh, top 25s yet aside from Alabama. And four and oh in quad A wins, though, according to Ken Palm. Exactly. And their uh their conference is not looking as strong as it usually is in the Big East. So I could yeah. see them losing a game to Creighton, but Creighton is looking really bad right now. They've lost four straight, including one in Nebraska and one to BYU. Um I could see them losing to a Xavier under Sean Miller. But I don't wow, like the big the big east is not as strong as as it usually is. So I have Connecticut. I have um I'm gonna stick with Texas and Chris Beard. I just trust that that defensive yeah. philosophy. What a guy. I'm gonna go with Purdue because of Zach Eady and just probably the fact that he's gonna be the player of the year. And then finally, man. The ACC is so bad that I think I'm going to have to go with Virginia. Um, it's not that bad, homie. No, it's it's the worst Power 5 in Ken Palm. And the only other teams in that conference are um, Virginia Tech, who's decent, and Duke. And I could see Virginia losing to Virginia Tech on the road, and I could see them losing to... They don't even play Duke on the road. They play them at home. So I think Virginia leaves the season with two losses. Yeah. So, so. we'll see if, I mean, I think I'm just, man. <clears throat> so yeah, I got, I got, I got I'm, UConn, I got Texas, I got Purdue, Purdue, and I got Virginia. All right. Well, we're just about out of time. So we will see you next week. Go ahead and cheer on the Lopes this Saturday against Pepperdine. But until next week, Lopes up. Peace. <laughs> Lopes up.